To the Book of Medora, episode 22. I'm Crystal. I'm Monica. I'm Cameron. It's happening. We're gonna, we're, we're, it's happening. We're talking about Zelda 20. We are gonna talk about Tears of the Kingdom. Wait, is this episode 22 or 21? Well, I mean, give me a second and I'll go check. It's 22, right? I think so. Well, hold on, hold on. It's been a while, we've forgotten. Let's see. No, this is 23, actually. 22 was uh, Zelda Unrivaled Revelation of Calamity. That's right. Uh, because we declared that a canonical Zelda game. <laughs> Shit, we did, yeah. But Cameron, you want to fuck up our episode order because you're, now you're saying, like, oh, Four Swords isn't canon. Oh, I'm not saying that it's not canon. I'm just saying it's not a mainline Zelda game. That is you're saying foolish. it's not a Legend of Zelda. I am saying it's not a Legend of Zelda, yes. You are being you are walking the path of the clown right now. And more than that, I'd like to argue that the Oracle games are in fact one story, one episode in the legend. Care to expand on this? I mean, is that how we're gonna is that how we're gonna start this we're off? We're gonna take it a nice leisurely pace to get into this. Okay. Well, um, my reasoning is very simple. Our rule mostly is about games that have the Legend of Zelda in front of them, but Four Swords doesn't have that, right? Uh-huh. That's it. That's the start but of it. And it does have that on the Nintendo DSi. Does it have that on the DSi? Can you show me? The Legend of Zelda Four Swords Anniversary Edition. Okay. Oh, Yay! If you show me that, I feel like you've probably shown me this before. But yeah. if you show it to me now, I'll drop it. Okay, I'm gonna post it in the line. Please, big ups to Line Voom. Line Voom, the true Twitter too. There it is, the Legend of Zelda Four Swords Anniversary Edition. Okay, I can accept this, but only if in future uh, listings of mainline Zelda games we refer exclusively to <laughs> the Legend of Zelda. Four Swords Anniversary Edition. You want us to say that whole thing every time? Well, no, it just needs to be understood that we're referring to the DSiWare game. It's the same game! Well, no, because the previous one wasn't a Legend of Zelda. It was just a little add-on to a re-release of The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Uh-huh. Also, I do actually hold that the Oracle games are one story. They're two... They're, you have to pay $80 for that. Yeah, sure do. That's $10 more than one Tears of the Kingdom. That's also true. And yet here we are in two games that both have the same ending. They're completely different games, completely different maps, dungeons, characters. Yeah, that's why it was worth $80. (laughs) The ending is a little bit different text-wise, though. So I think it's more reasonable to say that there are two games that merge together 
but still split apart. Mm. Or they they have the, the different starting, then kind of touch on the other one and end up different. Okay. So, wait, if that was episode 22, where did episode 21 come from? Did that we jump a number? The Accursed Timeline. Oh, is that what that was? Yes. Yes. You're right. You're right. Okay. So I'm arguing that there are tw- uh, 20 main lines up. Wait, no. No, because I also liked the idea that our friend Tim, friend of the show, Tim Garris had, um, that in order to be a mainline Zelda game, you must also involve the princess in some capacity. Or Zelda. Yes. <laughs> a person named in Zelda. Zelda. <laughs> the person of Zelda. In some capacity. And some and there's capacity. there's like six Zelda games. Well, what are you saying? Hold on. I think that you may be taking in some capacity much more strictly than She is intended. not in the Hyrule fantasy. She's right there. You meet her. She's even wearing the same clothes as you. Same color. Okay. She's also She's not in, in Link's it, Awakening. That's true. She is not. Not a mainline Zelda game. She's not in Majora's Mask. Uh, she gives you the Song of Time, but yeah, I would also be okay with saying that Majora's Mask only counts for half or zero. That's fine. She's not she- in <laughs> Breath of the Wild. <laughs> What? No. She's she's like the primary character of Breath of the Wild. What the hell are you talking about? I dispute about? all of this, by the way. <laughs> she's uh she's in the memories of Breath of the Wild, but that's a separate game from the Breath of the Wild main story. Also, she actually shows up at the she talks to you in it constantly. Okay. This is she's, a silly theory. Yeah. It's not a theory. It is a strictly uh I guess it is this like taxonomy? I don't know what you would call this. I dispute this taxonomy. Yeah, that's fair enough. Tears of the Kingdom. It came out. Yay! We played it through it all. It did come out. Yeah, we I did. Mean, I we didn't did. play through it all. I played through the whole story and much of the side contents. Yes, it, it definitely had a lot going on as a video game. Cameron, how far along did you get? Um, I want to say that I did about eighty percent of the side quests, most of the major side quests. I freed and rebuilt Lurlin. But there was still some side content over there that I didn't do. So Pura kept badgering me about going over there and helping them out. And I'm like, leave me alone. I don't want to do racing in Terrytown or whatever. Okay. I have done the main story, all the side quests. Um, I am 500 Koroks in. I have killed every Talus and Hinox and Gleok. I'm still working on the Flux Constructs. And the, uh, what's the other thing? Froxes. The froxes. There's a lot of froxes to kill. There are a lot of froxes in this And game. I need to finish helping Addison. Yeah. And upgrading all my armor, of which I just have the, uh, the unexplainable. Yeah. <laughs> the unexplainable need to fully upgrade. No, no, I mean the unexplainable, game. like, Hero of Time outfits and so on. Oh, I see. No, they're not unexplainable. Explainable. Yeah. Canonical now. Because of the way that you two want to frame these episodes we're definitely going to be talking about the damn things before the end here Uh uh-huh monica you mentioned the um the flux constructs and there's something very interesting i noticed about those i posted an image in the line chat if you could open it up how would you describe the central shape of the body of the flux construct it's a person it is indeed a person A a, a human or hylian shaped person it is a torso but if you remove the uh, the legs and the arms, what would be left? Um, a torso. It would be a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Monica? 
<laughs> um, this is a 2D image. We got. We have to examine all dimensions, including depth. <laughs> yeah. Because the spine and shoulders do not represent the entire thing. The spine and shoulders in the shape of a Christian cross. Cameron was making like a, a an execution sign. Like do just I was trying to get Monica to just no sell it as hard as she could. That's as hard as I can. It's not very hard. Yeah, she started laughing the instant she realized what I was telling her not to laugh about. <laughs> no, see, I didn't get it originally and I was looking at it and I was like, Oh, like oh, feet you are don't backwards. Get it, you don't get it because this shit is aimed at me specifically. The the feet are backwards. Like uh what do you call those? Animals where the feet are reversed. I, I, I'm Did not you aware. Did Yes. That's not reversed. That just means that they put all their weight on the tips of their toes. Well, it looks like it's, you know, backwards. They're all wearing high heels constantly, just like Raru. Uh. But um, I would like to say, Crystal, that this carcinization of the T in Zelda does not mean that... Uh, Christianity is real in ancient Hyrule, though I guess now there is an argument to be made based on what I've heard that Judaism is real in Final Fantasy V, at least for some translations. Interesting. No, it's 10. FF10. It's 10? Okay. Oh, well, in that case, that translation is probably still there. Yes. There is uh, uh, something in the game that is kosher like a pickle, Crystal. Interesting. So they at least have the concept of kosher food. But in Zelda, there's a recurring cross shape, which returns here with a flux construct. It is not a cross <laughs> shape. It has an extended spine that goes further out the back. The cross was built so that the arms were not far removed from the spine so that one could be crucified on it. That is not how the construct's torso is shaped. I think there's plenty to... to poke at Cameron with already, even without the cross. No, this is Crystal's favorite, though, because eventually they're going to get to the point where I just throw up my hand and say, fine, fine, Christianity real. (laughs) What about Raru? What about Raru? Raru ain't found Jesus. No, I just mean the existence of another Raru. (laughs) I wish you could have seen... Wait, what are you saying? Just, just, you know, when Raru first identified himself to you. Okay. The person who founded the kingdom... Uh-huh. And, and and built it up with his great manly hands. I mean, that's not really a very cogent representation of Jesus. I was not leading to... Well, then what were... Why did you... I said to- there's plenty to make fun of you of. Oh, yes, with- the Raru thing. Yes. Okay. I would like to start off this episode's conversation for real by saying I cannot fucking believe that they rehabilitated Raru. Uh-huh. How are you feeling about it, Crystal? You know what I can't believe? What? The the cowardly Zelda wiki has listed King Rauru as a separate character from Rauru. I'm sorry? They should be on the same page just like everyone else. Oh, I see. So you're saying that Rauru the Sage is listed separately from King Rauru. Yes. Well, we may have to discuss that here because I think that that's actually a cogent way to do it because King Raru has been dead for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. They put every Zelda on the same page. That's true. So I think yeah. they sh- this should be merged together. Even if there's 
distinctly def- different people. Like yes. the guy in Ocarina of Time isn't the guy who died defeating Ganondorf. Yeah. But they would no, still go on not. the same page. They would still go on yeah. the same page. Uh huh. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Crystal. That is cowardly. <laughs> I guess they felt like they just couldn't have this big, tall, furry dragon daddy over here on the same page as Raru, who with a, ti- a power greater than time and the Master Sword built the Temple of Time. So we must focus on the one that did. <laughs> how did you, Crystal, as a member of the Book of Medora, how did you feel when you heard the name Raru to refer to Goat Bunny Man? I was pogging when Ganondorf said it. I was like, what, yeah. what did he mean by that? Are they bringing back Raru? Uh-huh. And he did. And he There's, was a twink. I, isn't he a bit big to be a twink? I guess so. You know what? It doesn't matter. He's very willowy. So, I, I, I all right, yeah. All right. They brought back Raru and he was such a twink. <laughs> so, and I have such a torso revealing frames and yeah. fashion. Oh, they, they love to show off their very narrow torsos and their very defined hips. They remind me of the Navi from Avatar. They are kind of similar to the Navi a little bit, but I think they are much more pleasingly designed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of just being blue people with lion tails, or hey, did they? T- you you saw the way of water, right? Mm-hmm. Did they take the USB sex out of the way of water? No, it's still in there. Oh, okay. Somebody told me they took it out. I, there's no sex scene in the movie, but they still use it. Okay, okay that's how that's you hook good. up to your horse and the whales. Yeah, and the whales. What is the way of water? Uh the way of water. I feel like after things. watching the, I, I feel like after after watching the movie, it shouldn't be a question that's difficult to answer. Well, you know, we all begin in water and we all end in water. I don't remember their little speech about it, but I, they have very spiritual relationships with the whales. I see. Okay, well, that's probably fine. Oh boy. So I guess I was the person who proposed this, so I should lead it let's let's frame it for the listeners first why are we doing what are we doing i haven't said it yet that's what i was going to do okay 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 so uh much like our second adventure into breath of the wild uh it was my opinion that the most effective way to view things and examine and and uncover new insights is to look at them in a way separate from how the game presents the information to us, which is we should discuss the story as it is chronologically across the history of of Hyrule. Now, Crystal, you were in agreement with this? Yeah, I agree with this. Okay. Yay! I would just like it on the record for our listeners that I was uh, staunchly against this particular (laughs) framing, and I tried to reach a compromise where we would cover the gap between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom first, and then transition into the distant past after the uh, time travel bit in the opening. But I was overruled. Uh Uh-huh. Fiercely, fiercely overruled. What is the first chronological event to occur in this game? That's a great question. That is actually a really good question. (laughs) Um, What what do you think is the first chronological event? Because I'm thinking that all of us might have different ideas about it, or at least different ways to phrase those ideas. I believe it's when Zelda appears before Rauru and Sonya. Ah, I see. You are not quite (laughs) on the same wavelength as Monica with regards to this shit. Okay. Uh, Monica, what's yours? Uh, 
Cameron, why don't you go? No. Okay. Fine. I think that the first thing chronologically worth discussing is the arrival of the Zonai. And I think that the first thing worth discussing chronologically would be the story of the Stormwind Arc, because as near as I can tell from the text of the game, that is the earliest meeting of the Zonai and the peoples of what would eventually become Hyrule. Yeah, that's probably one of the first encounters, or the first encounter. What do you think, Crystal? When do you think the Zonai first showed up? Hmm. Well, it's spoken of by uh, Rauru and his sister, whose name is... Mineru. Mineru got that off the dome. They speak of it like they don't really know. Like, it's so far, even in their past, that they're not sure of the details. Yes. So, Ganondorf has a lot to say about it, too, with regards to their relationship to the Well, past. that's about the departure, which probably could have happened some great time after. Well, I mean that he refers to those as their Zonai ancestors. Ah, uh, yes. So let's say about a thousand years before the founding of the <laughs> kingdom. Uh, sure, we can say it's a thousand, but it might as well be a hundred million billion jillion. It's more like a thousand. <laughs> that is... That is about a thousand in the sense that the Imprisoning War takes place about a hundred years before A Link to the Past. Speaking of the the Imprisoning War. um, Now, of course, we do need to say for our listeners, this is going to be full game spoilers from the jump. If Uh you haven't finished the game and care at all, do not stick around. Yeah. Especially given where we're starting. <laughs> yes, that that is what I'm, yeah. There's no way to, like, we're not walking through the text of the game as you play it. That's just, you know, playing the game. Yes, that is just playing the game. So let's talk about the arrival of the Zonai and the Zonai ancestors. I cannot believe this is where we're starting. Holy shit. What? What? <laughs> it's just, like, I. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why I'm saying I can't believe this shit. It's just I can't believe it. Don't worry about it. Where do you want to start? Um, I think the Stormwind arc is a good starting point of what we concretely know, the earliest back. So if, if we want to pull that up, I have the text here. Oh, could you go ahead and read it sure. for us yeah. then? I also have it up. Oh, okay. Crystal, you go ahead and read it. One day the winds that ought to blow in Rito Village ceased. Then the heavens grew stagnant and earth fell to ruin. The villagers looked skyward for a solution. They saw a figure pierce through the unmoving gray clouds and descend swiftly towards them. Believing no ordinary being could fall from the heavens, the villagers called this figure a god, and the gods stood atop a hill day after day, longing to return home to their island in the heavens. The villagers, forgetting their own troubles, tried to carry the god home on their proud wings. Yet who could say how far it might be, the place this god came from? The Rito took flight in turn, each hoping to reach that place above the clouds. Alas, none had wings strong enough. Seeing this, the god told the leader of the village that returning to the heavens was possible, if the Rito gathered materials. Their spirits high, the villagers set about doing so. The god nodded upon seeing the tall pile of materials. This, they understood, would be enough. The god poured a strange powder into the pile, and several small boats were assembled. Cautiously, the villagers boarded. The small vessels began floating up into the air. With the god leading them, the boats rose higher and higher, soon passing through the thick clouds. 
The vastness of the heavens took the villagers' breath away. Floating islands dotted a clear blue sky. The villagers rejoiced songfully and then, with reluctance, returned to earth. One day, winds at the village were roared back to life. In shock, the villagers looked to the sky. Floating above them was an enormous ship that the god had sent in gratitude. Numerous oars on both sides began to move like wings, soundlessly churning the skies. Air blew across Hebra once again. The skies cleared and blooming flowers rose from the ground. The god had given them the blessing of the wind. This ark that saved the village from catastrophe came to be known as the Storm Wind Ark. So ends the story of the Storm Wind Ark that saved the village long ago. Where is that related to us? Is it in a book? I feel like someone actually tells you that version of it. Yeah, that's in the Rito record somewhere in Rito Village. Okay. There's also the song, which I guess abbreviates a lot of the the text. I think it's, um, what's her name? The person who, who they offer to tell you it by, by text or by lyric. Oh, I see. If I'm remembering right. The song is... Once a god fell from heaven, stilling the Hebrew winds. The heavens grew lifeless, just as the air below thinned. With the world in upheaval, we pledged to help the Lord. A line of ships soaring, built as a passage skyward. Very awkward rhyming. The god ascended to heaven, leaving behind an ark. Its winds brought us new life, thanks to its great divine spark. I mean, I think that that last line is actually more tortured. But- That's kind of trite, but, you know, <laughs> they're trying. They are trying. Now, it's interesting because one little difference I noticed between those two accounts is that in the, um, I don't know what you call it, the oral version, the story goes that the winds stilled and then the god fell. But in the song, the god falling stills the winds, implying that the first meeting or the first fall of a zonai to this planet, this earth, caused considerable environmental damage. I feel like the narrative account actually the the wind stilled even after the the god left. Can we pull that up? Crystal, can you link the text there? I actually didn't write down this part. Yes, here you go. Thank you. Thank you. The god poured a strange power into the pile. I heard powder for some reason. Uh, it doesn't matter. Okay. But no, it says here that the wind did not remain still. It was stirred by the storm wind arc. Okay. Both of them suggest that without the storm wind arc, the winds of Hebra would die again. So in a lot of ways, the storm wind arc is like one of the wind crystals from Final Fantasy. <laughs> so you're interpreting this as the first arrival of the Zonai. I mean, it's the earliest sounding record that we have. It's the only record among all the peoples that refer to meeting one of these creatures as a god rather than one of the Zonai, at least to the best of my knowledge. Is the impression that the both of you get here, where is heaven? <laughs> is heaven a level of height to the degree of where the sky islands are, or is it beyond? I mean, my impression is that it's far <laughs> beyond. I would interpret heavens as the sky, the high sky. To me, it sounds because the Stormwind Arc was just a stepping stone to reach the heavens. And the Stormwind Arc is higher than almost, but not quite, any of the Sky Islands. I would agree with that. Now, granted, the Sky Islands didn't actually exist as they were before the Imprisoning War. At least most of them. But we don't really see any signs of inhabitation. 
that's, around there. That's not actually true. The the crystal. Did you get the glide suit? Yes. And do you remember the lore behind it? That uh, it was like uh, a Zonai ritual that for the youths. Yes. Yes. So there were definitely youths of the Zonai living in the Sky Islands, which imply either that there were young young Zonai living in the gap between the imprisoning war and the current story, which I think is actually true. And I'll get into why a little bit later, but not hopefully not next episode. Hopefully this episode. I, I think the the key thing here is if we think that heavens just implies the Sky Islands, then it could just be somebody living on the level of the Sky Islands or thereabouts falling down and not having a way to get up there. Right. But if we read that as beyond, then this is really a first encounter. Like Crystal, are the Zonai from a distant nebula? No, no, of course not. Why is that? Is it from the sky, <laughs> not space? The sky is space. The sky is space. When you go far enough. This is that cause. This is that kind of cosmology. I don't think that the planet is surrounded by a vacuum in this. Setting. Okay. Well, here's here's words that we don't hear in association with the zone I. Okay. Uh, stars, suns, planets. There was text in the game. I can't remember precisely where. It may have been in the opening that Zelda's talking about. How the Zonai claimed to be descended from the gods. Yes, I do have that. Oh, please. The Zonai are said, this is from Zelda. The Zonai are said to have lived long ago in the time of earliest legend. They possessed godlike powers and had a prosperous civilization in the sky. Many history books tell us about the Zonai, but none gives us the full picture. Yada yada. Um, this depiction certainly suggests that the Zonai descended from the heavens. It is said that my ancestors, the first of Hyrule's royal family, were born from a union with gods who had descended from the heavens. Now, the one that I'm talking about is the one where Zonai claimed to have descended from the old gods and that they brought with them secret stones that were created by those same gods. I think that is in a memory. In a memory? Probably. Mm. We do need to note that this is... We're still in early days here, so not everything is fully transcribed. Yeah, there hasn't been a full text dump of the game that I'm aware of. Not a full one. But I, based on that, do you remember reading that line, Monica? Or Crystal, did either of you read that? Something about being descended from the gods, yes. I'll try to find like it. they claimed? Yeah, I have my doubts about that. <laughs> do you have doubts that it's in the game, or do you doubt that they claim to be descended from the gods? I do not see Mineru or Rauru claim descent from the gods. Oh, no, no, no. I don't mean Mineru or Rauru. I mean the ancient Zonai from First Contact. That The texts claim that they claim to be descended from the gods, yes. Okay, okay. As long as, as, long as one of you or both of you remember that, then I'm fine. There's but- certainly an attribution of them as being godlike or gods themselves. My thought that, that the Stormwind Arc was as high as it's possible for terrestrial beings to go, and that that first Sonai went back up to the distant nebula or whatever intermediary space exists between this Earth and the distant nebula. Space. Yes. That in- intermediate, intermediate space, yeah. I think the Zonai are from space. And, Crystal, you would argue that they're the sky people who become the Uku. Or, no, uh, you know, they're, they're sky people. Yes, I would say sky people. 
another group of sky people. It's very crowded up there. Crystal, how many yes. gr- How many groups of scry- sky people do we have? Well, we have the Zonai, we have the Wind Tribe, we have the Uka, and we have Skyloft. Am I missing one? Um, I mean, that sounds about right to me, unless you want to count the civilization that predated the Uka. I would And I don't. Yeah. So this Village of the Stormwind arc, I interpreted this as happening after the Imprisoning War. For truly. Because it, because it talks about moving through a thick gray cloud barrier. And then once you get up there, you see, oh, floating islands dotting a clear blue sky. Kind of like in the game. There's only one problem I have with that. In that Zelda goes up to the Stormwind arc and has a conversation with the Sage of Wind there. Mm-hmm. Which implies that the Stormwind Art was already extant during the Imprisoning War. That's a good point. Yeah, the Secret Stone is there. Yeah. Of course, that's just my interpretation. It doesn't necessarily need to be the only one that we adhere to. But my thought is that this was an, a record of the earliest. But I think that more important than whether or not it's, strictly speaking, the earliest encounter with the Zonai, it does set a tone for how the peop- the terrestrial peoples of this earth, including the Rito, relate to these distant sc- heavens traveling creatures who were so strange and so advanced that they were likened to gods. And in fairness, they were incredibly powerful. They effectively were gods. Looking at their level of technology, so they have Firstly, they have capsule technology. They do. They have that Dragon Ball Dragon shit. Ball capsule technology. Yeah. They have uh, hovering, levitating stones and batteries and rockets. They do be having rockets. It's true. They're aliens. They, they came over through a rocket ship-like thing. Oh, right. Um, there's also them from Majora's Mask. I think they would count as a sky people. Yes. I guess so, yeah. And in the mural that you examine in the start of the game, a Zonai is coming down with the seven secret stones. And on a platform that kind of looks like a, you know, UFO-ish platform. Crystal, you suggest a UFO-ish platform? Well, you know, it's it's a hovering weird thing. Mm, No, I wouldn't go so far. They are not... uh, they are not the Zelda equivalent of the Greys in that sense. No. They're more like, um, I mean, they're more like if you had to interpret gods as existing in the physical cosmology of the universe as we understand it, they might be a little bit like the Zonai. Huge ships sailing on the ether between planets and that sort of thing. It's also, you know, when the Rito got, got up there, they don't note seeing other, other people of this lost god. True. They never say that they saw more Zonai or gods. So they got high enough to a point where that person could carry on, but presumably there was more more distance to be had. When the god poured a strange power into the pile and several small boats were assembled, that sounds like auto-build. It is absolutely auto-build. Uh-huh. So auto-build technology had been invented. Yes, and if not auto-build, then at least ultra-hand. So I, I think it's pretty good evidence, at least, that this god was definitely a Zonai. That's, yes. that's not in dispute, I don't think. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. So from there, there's an awfully big gap in our understanding. I think that there's other things to think about okay. before we move on. 
Um, are they Lovecraftian? <laughs> like cosmic horrors? Yes. I would sooner just say cosmic horrors. Are they cosmic horrors? <laughs> the way that I want to bring oh, this up. yeah, 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 yeah. Is okay, because... Yeah. Anything that really touches on them and their technology and the land gets sort of overwritten with weird shapes, weird lines and patterns. And we see this with everything on the Sky Islands, but when the Sky Islands crash down and hit uh, the Earth, the ground around them have these weird symbols show up. That's true. When when anything when when have you noticed, Crystal, when Sky Islands like crash into cliffs and shit and there's like these weird Zonai symbols that spread out from those chunks of Sky Island into the surrounding land? Mm-hmm. What the fuck is going on? Why is it being affected and transformed by the Sky Islands, which just came from Hyrule? Hmm. Have, how have they been changed? Or would you agree that they've been changed in some way and they're feeding that change out into other things that they touch? Yeah, they might be from Hyrule, but they've been separated from it for a long time. And they seem to be in, like, whatever power infused them to allow them to float seems to have changed them, even after they've been hurtled down back to Earth. I wondered to some degree if Link's arm and shoulder were the same, in that when Raru's arm was fused to it, that pattern emerged. Yeah, it goes kind of up his shoulder and across his back and chest. I think you can kind of see the pattern f- starting to form when when the gloom hits, though. So maybe, but I mean, like the it's it, it's still there, and the gloom itself is also born of a zonate-like power. Huh. So maybe it's an effect of the secret stones as much as anything else. Maybe the secret stones are infectious in the way that they shift reality around. But look, look. We, we do. Do you have any other points you want to bring up with regards to you thinking that the Zonai's is aliens? Uh, not about them being aliens, but do they worship Hylia? Okay, Crystal. Do the Zonai worship Hylia? I'm trying to remember if I saw a Hylia statue anywhere that was definitely Zonai. The yes. Temple of Time. The Temple of Time. That's true. The Sky One. Yeah. And I think that that's probably enough by itself that their most sacred place had a Hylia statue in it. Yes, though, to be fair, the whole area was set up for Link. So Zelda might have had the foresight that he needs to get a heart piece. Wait, did they build the Temple of Time after Zelda showed up? No, it was there before. Well, but then it wasn't just for Link. I mean, it, it, it could have been placed after. Of note, it's also an... It's a Hylia statue that's identical to the ones that exist on the ground in Hyrule, which means that we came back around to the worship of Hylia using the exact same symbols that it did a million billion years ago. Uh huh. Or Zelda could have designed it. It's true that Zelda could have designed it. I don't see that being impossible. But the, the I, talking version, though. Yeah, the talking version. I don't know if she can like imbue herself because. You kind of get the impression that these statues... Oh, God, we have to talk about the statues later. Uh-huh. And that's probably going to... Can I think that, this is sometime later. <laughs> yeah, can that wait until sometime later? Well, yes, but before the story. Because if we talk about the culture of the Zonai and what they worship, I think that it's worth noting that it looks to me like they worship Hylia, at least on the surface. But if we're going to talk about the history of the Zonai and how they interact with the peoples of Hyrule, then we also have to talk about the depths. Uh-huh. 
And the other statues. And the other statues. The Bargainer statues. Crystal, tell us about the Bargainers. Yeah, I was going to say the depths actually feel more distinctly Zonai than the sky. Because we know the sky got up there after um, after Zelda. Or at least the main islands got up there post-Zelda. So they right. were, must have been influenced by her. Right. But the Bargainer statues, what's up with those? They're... There's uh, four little ones, and, well, they're all big ones, but there's, like, one main one and four subordinate ones? The one that's underneath the uh, Forgotten Temple is colossal. All the others yes. are partially buried, but this thing is right out where you can see it, and it's, like, 200 meters tall. And they're all placed where the Hylia statues are. Maybe not all of yeah, them, they're, but... They're mirroring Hylia they're mirroring statue placements. The big ones. There's one underneath the Spring of Power... Spring of Courage and Spring of Wisdom, the one underneath the Terrestrial Temple of Time, and one underneath the Forgotten Temple. And there might be another one, actually. So the Barkner statues claim that they're the ones who send Poe's to the afterlife without any prejudice for what their lives may have been like. Good or evil, that's not for them to judge. They're just helping them move on to the next world. They are... Um, I don't know if this is actually a word outside of that one Stephen King book that I read. They are psychopomps who usher the souls of the dead. And uh, they seem to have been very much venerated by the Zonai and by everyone during a certain period of Hyrule's history. Where would you think that they were being venerated or what causes you to think they were venerated? You had better venerate the person who takes care to guide your soul into the afterlife. But do you see any evidence of that? What do you mean? I mean, any sort of relics or remarks. Yeah, or... the bargainer statues. They built these to house these gods. Oh, I just was thinking that the gods were the statues. But you're right. These are statues of the actual people. That things. came to be inhabited by those spirits. Mm. But it doesn't seem that the bargainer statues really ask for worship or reverence. They just want pose. Mm -hmm. At this point in time, yes. But that doesn't mean that they weren't worshipped in the past. I was a bit worried they were doing something bad to the boat. <laughs> well, that never came up. No, it didn't. They seem like they are very scary gods. They have six eyes, and I'm not quite sure what that means. It's not, to the best of my knowledge, a repeating motif in Celtic. Six or four? Oh. S six. Okay. There's four that you have to put into that statue, but it had two in there already. Okay. So the Bargainer statues, venerated by the Zonai. These are the gods to what terrestrial life considers gods. And they are also the counterparts to Hylia, or at least one of Hylia's many counterparts, according to this narrative. So if we have... Crystal, are all, all the Bargainer statues except for one are in the depths, right? Are they not all in the depths? Well, there's the one that's brought up into Josh's lab. Oh, yes. Yes, that's true. Yeah, it's a little tiny baby one. But if that's the case, what that that brings to mind the question, and I think this is really important because it's something that we're going to have to address near the end of this episode or the next one. God help me, we're not getting very far right now. Um, what are the depths? Like, where did they come from? What 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 is their function? The game tells you both through dialogue in the uh, quest log and from Joshua that you can f you you will over time learn the relationship between the depths and the surface but I don't think it was ever made explicit to us what it means so it's up to us to interpret what are 
the depths and how do so they the relate th- to the surface? The thing that I noticed is that the depths seem to be a kind of power source for the surface. You mentioned how the Bargner statues line up with the locations of the temples and the springs, but the the uh, the light roots also correspond with the shrines on the surface for mm-hmm. the most part. They really do. Yes. But we have a concrete time for when the shrines were built. So do you think it was deliberate that they were built on top of the light roots or did the light roots form due With to the, the shrines? shrines? Like together. Either way, it suggests a kind of powering the surface relationship. I wonder because the light roots also transmit holy light, daylight down into the depths. So mm-hmm. there's at least some of the f- power that's flowing from the top down too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Though this with the springs, each of the springs are tied to a wellspring. And the That's, wellspring of yeah. course is the source of the spring. Mm-hmm. And each of those has a bargainer statue. Yes. The bargainer statue, of course, being a name that brings to mind the horned demon. Yes. But when yeah, you say bargainers bargainers in world religion tend to have a, a bad rap. Usually don't want to make bargains. Well, I mean we, we constantly make bargains with our gods, don't we? Like, we offer, like, a, a, a Christians offer a prayer every day. We offer services. We offer tithes. We make sacrifices to ancestors and gods. I think a lot of religious people don't like to, well, a lot of Christians don't seem to like to relate it to bargaining, though. It is bargaining, though. I know. You, you have, <laughs> it is. You are seeking a blessing from God. And you have I to think you are right that it is effectively treated as bargaining, but I think the intended relationship is that you are supplicating yourself, and by God's grace, he yes. may choose to do something, but you can't actually ask him or bargain with him. I'm not saying that just it's supplant m- yourself. I'm not saying that it's mercantile, but it is still a bargain because you are seeking grace, and not everyone gets it. And I think that this is is not the same as bargaining. And I think it's even more true in religions outside of Christianity, because like in ancient Greek times, you would sacrifice to Zeus specifically so that you got good weather for your crops. That's straight up bargaining. And I mean, like you, 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 you burn the thigh bones of a calf because it produces a smell pleasing to God. What is that but bargaining? Even with Zeus... I Zeus can kind of do whatever he wants, even if you make the sacrifice, you know. Again, you, Zeus is not bound to you. Yes, that's why it's bargaining. Also, but, uh, bargaining is a mutual bond. It's understood fulfill- also that if you are mistreated by the gods, that you can also withhold your sacrifice. Uh-huh. Okay. I think it's funny to, to hear of this from somebody raised in the Christian faith. Well, I mean... Crystal was raised in Judaism, so we're not coming at that different a perspective on it. Is that accurate, Crystal? Yes. Okay. Well, speaking from a person raised very irreligiously, I think that definitely there's a, a, a indication that you're not really bargaining, but when I'm looking at it, it is a negotiation. You're, and you're trying to say, no, I'm not actually doing that because that would be very um, bad. Proud. Proud? Yeah. I don't know. Some sort of heretical term. It would be hubris. Yeah, but uh, you want something good out of this. Yes, even if it's just salvation. Yeah, I think that at least in Christianity, it is very much still a bargain. I mean, that it 
it, it is about supplication. It is about sacrificing the self, but you give of yourself in seeking salvation. That's still a bargain. Bargain doesn't have to have a negative connotation to it, is what I'm okay. saying. What are you bargaining contra- with? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Contracts is something the devil does. <laughs> I mean, I'm not convinced that the devil is very well grounded in the biblical text. Yeah. I think that a lot of the idea of the devil making contracts is shit that Europeans made up in the medieval era to keep down the serfs. I guess a covenant is kind of like a contract. The, a covenant yes. is precisely a contract. What are we bargaining with the bargainer statues for? Now, do you mean Link or the Zonai? The Zonai. Crystal, what do you think? Well, we know they are capable of making such items as dark trousers. <laughs> That's true. So perhaps in exchange for giving them lost souls, they could create other powerful items. What What if, and this, this, this isn't necessarily the case, but what if Poe's are, on the grand scale of things, a relatively recent phenomenon? What if the thing that you offered up to the Barkiner statues was your worship in exchange for being guided to the afterlife. And as worship of them fell off, as people stopped revering these things and stopped going to them in their times of death to be shepherded, they became lost. Looking up every game that a Poe is in. <laughs> we know they're in Ocarina of Time. Yep. I believe that they're actually in The Legend of Zelda. There are ghosts in the graveyard. Okay, they're in A Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. They're in Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Phantom Hourglass, Triforce Heroes, and Tears of the Kingdom. So all the other games, I guess the Bargainer Covenant was going strong. Well, more like it wasn't. The Poes are kind of hidden, after all. Yeah. They were there during Breath of the Wild. We just don't see them. They are literally lost souls. Not everyone is lost. But, oh no, Crystal, what I'm saying is that the Covenant has been abandoned is why there are Poes. Okay. And that once people stopped venerating the bargainers, they stopped being as consistently guided to the afterlife. So are we seeing them as gods, and are they contemporaneous with Hylia? I mean, I I have trouble thinking of something that I would refer to as a god more emphatically than a being that ushers you to the afterlife. What about you, Crystal? Hmm... <laughs> So what games was the Covenant up for? We, a Link Between Worlds? No, we've never seen a game set during the... This <laughs> is asking where in the timeline does the past of this game take place? <laughs> uh-huh. That's what it's asking. Y- yeah. And I'm not saying that a lack of pose means that the Covenant is being upheld again. It just means that we don't see them. They're certainly performing a function more concrete than, say, the old gods. Yes. Crystal, do you consider them gods? If they are gods, they are lowercase g. They're not on the same tier as Hylia. Really? I'd love to hear your explanation. These are more on the tier of, like, the wind spirits from Wind Waker. Really? The Deku Tree. Go on, go on, go on. Because the big gods are not really people you can talk to in Zelda. You can't talk to Din. You can yeah, kind of talk to Hylia, but not as much as these guys. I mean, 
You only talk to them when you go to their statues. You can talk to Hylia when you go to her statue. Well, well not the really. The statue can actually take over. We'll get to that later. Okay. Uh, we have to get okay. to that later. Because that's just really interesting. Okay. But it does canonically happen chronologically after the start of the game. Yes, it does. So we have to leave it until we get there. We don't have to. Oh, we've got to leave it. we got to go chronologically. <laughs> so that means the the power of the bargainers is contained by the ground. What are the depths? We, we know that. No, listen. The depths, <laughs> I'm sure you've noticed, are a vertical mirror of the surface. Mm-hmm. And that really high mountains are very deep valleys. In the depths. Yes. It's as if yes. everything from the surface was lifted out of the depths. Flipped up. Flipped upward. <laughs> like low rule. It's, I don't think that's what low rule is. It's not what low rule is geographically, I expected you. To, I expected you to say Termina. <laughs> no, Termina is not like that. <laughs> are or you not? It? Let me look at a Termina map. Does the ocean correspond to Death Mountain? I, I don't, I, I'm not suggesting that, no. <laughs> I, I mean that you've always insisted that Termina is underground. Yeah, of course it is. So is it down in the depths? I don't see any distinctly Terminian elements here. Right, but it's underground where Termina it's, is. It's deeper than that, if it's underground. <laughs> it's so You go so deep underground, you flip back up. I hate both of you. <laughs> I am so tired. But... I think this is, so we've discussed the Zonai arrival, and it's either uh, the starting point being we see a lost Zonai who ends up back with their people uh, through the assistance of the Rito. But at that point, they're at the sky exclusively that we know of and inaccessible. But at some point, they come down. And they interface with the peoples of Hyrule. They eventually Hyrule. They are treated as gods they are building structures on the surface and supposedly going to the depths and mining do we think the depths was ever the surface that is actually what i wanted to get into at the end of this episode you think hyrule was built on top of hyrule yes our hyrule the old kingdom maybe not the old kingdom oh it's hard this is the new king is this no this is still we are we are aligned horizontally, like on the X and Y axis, we're aligned with the old kingdom. We need to state here, we're looking certainly at this from the lens of the Accursed Timeline. We're not going to fully place it yet, but also the Accursed Timeline is just a theory. It is just a theory. And anything could blow up that theory, and that's okay. We, sp- I think that all three of us, and then Crystal, you can feel free to chime in. All three of us spent a certain amount of time playing this game going, wait, did Breath of the Wild even happen? Yeah. And we also spent like the first 10 minutes going, oh, this has blown up every timeline simultaneously. We're going to have to redo the whole thing from scratch. Mm-hmm. That was fun. It was a fun little while. It didn't end up holding that impression to me. In the end. I think it blew up the Historia timeline a lot worse, which is kind of funny. And there's a lot of confused people or, or upset people. Maybe both. Oh, y'all. I, I've been on a couple of Nintendo forums reading conversations where people argue about the timelines. Did you know that there's Skyward Sword kiddies now? Like there's kids whose first real, like people whose first real introduction to Zelda and 
their gateway to Zelda lore was Skyward Sword. How beautiful. And they are so mad that Demise's place of primacy in the evil of Hyrule is being taken away. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's we like, know what? that Lost Garonia was in the depths. Yes. Yes, that's very true. At the point where the Gorons really can recount far back, they used to live in the depths, at least part of the time, if not fully. Yes, I think that that's actually the only... Um, that's the only settlement referred to concretely as existing in the age of earliest legends that we find physical evidence of. The Gorons. Oh, shit, the Gorons. The Gorons. <laughs> Crystal. Crystal, did the you Gorons. do... The Gorons, yeah. No, did you did you do the side quest for the two old Gorons? Yeah. Who are looking for their birthplace? Yeah, I found their birthplace for them. We know where the Gorons come from now. There's no no more question about how they reproduce. Crystal, you were right. You were right. They're just born out of the ground. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't do budding. They don't have sex. They don't carve each other. They're just born of the earth. So, therefore, some of them could be born underground. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Of course, yes. But I, I, when I came to that line, I we that you, was my you, pogging you, moment. Yes, that was our pog moment. We pointed and hooted. I was waiting so anxiously for Monica to get there so I could trip out with her. God. Okay. So we, we also know that in the depths, and I think this is important to establish, um, th there is evidence that there was a vast underground network, not of mines. The mines are relatively recent, but settlements and people traveling. And there's even a special uh, hall that became a den of a gliok that holds statues of all four people and seems to venerate the sages. Yes. There is a gliok den, and it looks like a, a park. It is a big park. And there are shrine. Uh, there are little statues of the sages there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at some point in the past, the depths were lived in by people, enough people to justify building guide points and roads and parks that they would like go to for leisure activities. It seems that the depths are much more in the past than they were now. And much of what we see grown over it is a later development over the course of thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Because at some point, the depths were basically converted into a large prison for monsters. Um, yeah, I guess so, in a sense. I don't know if they are a prison. Are we... Crystal, you're thinking that the, the monsters were thrown or, or put there? At the very least, Ganondorf was sealed there. That is something that we have to talk about. Yes. Like, but there was a time when the depths existed, but there wasn't all that gloom. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And the monsters could have just come out of that gloom. Well, the frocks seem to be... Except for the frocks. The frocks are natural. Yeah. A very good version of the Dodongo, by the way. I really like the frocks. Mm-hmm. I, I, I sort of wish you didn't have to climb on their backs and break open their oar, but the fights otherwise are very fun. I like when they toss you into the air and just stare up at you with their mouths open, waiting for you to fall in. What's Zonite? What is Zonite? We know that it is, it, it is sourced from the depths. That's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Therefore, 
the Zonai had operations in the depths at some point. That's true. And it was so associated with them that the mineral was named after them and is known by that name to this day. I think that the Zonai were aware of Zonite and had their Zonai technology prior to going into the depths and mining. And I think this ties into the alien theory. They started showing up to this planet, this land, because they identified a rich source of unobtainium. What? (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Okay. Now, while you were saying that, I had a thought. Okay. What if, since we see... There are creatures down there that eat Zonite. Everything down there is infused with it. All the monsters you fight in the depth, even just the skeletons, drop Zonite Mm -hmm. when you defeat them. It is part of them, just as much as the gloom is. What if Zonite is planted and it grows? It's a growing mineral. And the effects that we see when the Sky Islands crash into cliffs and begin to spread is the very, very beginning of the growth of Zonite. That's quite possible. That's why there are also Zonite deposits in the mine on the Great Sky Island. I had taken that one to be that the Sky Island was upraised, involving its chunk of the depths. It's not very deep, and that is connected to the Temple of Time. Mm-hmm. I think that it was just planted. It's a very small local source of Zonite, just enough to keep the Great Sky Island going. I think that they were planted very early on in the Zonai history, the this earth was chosen, not because it was already rich in Zonite, but because it was an appropriate environment to grow it. Crystal, did you notice how wherever there is a frox, there is a large deposit of Zonite right beside it, like a back? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's like 10 uh, nodes. That yeah, clustered in, in a separate deposit right beside it. Yes. I thought of it as a dead body, or maybe a body that hasn't awoken as a frox yet, but I think it's certainly possible it could be a clutch of zonite, maybe even laid by the frox. Because the zonite is also growing out of the frox's back. Mm-hmm. So we know at least one case where zonite definitely grows. I think we might be hitting upon something here, which also means that when the zonite came down, they planted the zonite and they used the people of the surface partially as a labor force to create the mining setups that they could use to eventually, uh, oh, what's the word for when you gather up your crops? Harvest? To eventually harvest it. So in this supposition, are we thinking that the land was the land first and the Zonai carved out a mirror of the land, like an inverse of it, in planting their, their, their mining operations. But you couldn't possibly do that unless you could rend the earth with great flaming arms. Like Din. Yes, that is the reference I was making. You're saying Din's Zonai? Not necessarily, but it would... Hmm. But potentially. <laughs> well, the Zonai do claim to be descended from the old gods. Uh-huh. We've got to fish out that line before the next call. But yeah, yeah, we've got to. But, um, no, I'm not suggesting that the old gods were Zonai. I'm suggesting they might be related, or they might be building on top of what the old gods had already done. Which would make sense. These lands were made rich by the old gods, and the Zonai, as their claimed descendants, came to harvest them. 
No, no, let's let's I'm thinking about this and it kind of makes sense because you have the land being carved, Din. You have Nehru making the laws of the land by implanting the Zonai energy into the rock, and then Ferori makes life because she can make species that will spread the Zonai around via the frocks. Maybe. It feels like a bad reduction, and it would imply that the creation myth from Ocarina of Time is being conflated with the Triforce instead of being an accurate, uh, what do you call it? An accurate portrayal of the old gods. Like it's two separate. Triforce. It's two separate. Triforce in this game. (laughs) It's two separate instances instead of one event. Okay. I think that it's worth just trying to figure out the intent of the gods there. Which gods? The old gods. Why is there an intent? Not that we know of, but could it this be the work of aliens who are setting up a planet for it to be mined? Creator gods don't usually have explicit intent, except in a few cases where they're specifically making uh, servants. Well. (laughs) So if we think about the spirit temple... That there is a conflation with the energy within Zonites and the energy of spirits. When Mineru makes a little robot body for herself, it doesn't seem like she recognizes a difference between natural life energy and the Zonite energy of a robot. Well, that's just like your life isn't in your body. It's the drive of your spirit, right? But the spirit is the Zonite. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but it is something that we'll have to keep in mind moving forward. But we, we still got this huge possibility space suggested by the depths, right? We're all on the same page that whatever's going on in the depths, it's huge. And we haven't quite figured it out just yet, but it's uh, it's potentially fucked up. I just find mm-hmm. it, I found it really confusing when playing through and trying to understand where the zone I were from originally because they just kept on moving around yes we have the sky and then parts of the sky weren't in the sky to begin with then there was the land and And then then there was the depths where they worshipped the bargainers and potentially Hylia yeah and there are Zonai ruins and a evidence of civilization on the land that still remain mostly around Farron but also uh where those ancient columns are, I guess. So that's close to between Grudo and the Rito. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So there's this really long expanse of time where the Zonai interact with the peoples of Hyrule mm-hmm. and shape the, well, eventually Hyrule, and shape their cultures, um, shape their land quite a lot. But over time, they start to kind of disappear a little bit. Yes, they leave. They leave. Or die if, out. So do you think that their work is done? Have they taken everything that they need? Crystal, what do you think? Hmm. What would be everything that they need? Need for what? I mean, I I guess in the scenario that we're crafting, it would just be Zonite. But Zonite for what? But we can't guess as to their ultimate purpose, I guess. Just that they use them. Seems like you can never have too much. I, I know I certainly can't. That's true. But what if the entirety of the depths used to be Zonite? Like they the whole pla- thing? Like the entire mirror of the surface is made from planting Zonite in the surface and it 
plunges down into the ground, creating a mirror image of the surface, but in zonite, which is then mined out. Like, you plant enough of it in Death Mountain, and you get a mirror Death Mountain below the ground made completely of zonite. We don't see any zonite on the surface. Right, but I'm saying it goes down. Oh, okay. Hmm. So the amount that they mined could have been equivalent to the entire land mass of Hyrule. I see. What do they need it all for? Who can guess? Some Space travel. Sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, that makes sense. Space travel. Building whole worlds. Making a Triforce. But it's who, relatively, like... Who fucking knows? Relatively benevolent in that the people aren't, you know, being paved over for a space highway. Maybe it takes that much Zonite to make one secret stone. Secret stone construction. But then also the Zonite don't claim, to the best of our knowledge, to know how to make secret stones. No. By the time things come about, there's really only, there's only Raru and Mineru left. And we're not quite clear on how they come to the Earth. Raru, the younger brother, and Mineru, the elder sister, are two Zonai who descend to the Earth in the land that would come to be called Hyrule, bearing seven secret stones with which they greet the people of Hyrule and are held, if not as gods, then at least as rulers. I don't really read that as happening at the, uh, at the same time. Okay, go on. Like that, the, the, the Zonai that descended, that one doesn't have to be Raru. No, I'm just saying that when Raru, I'm saying that Raru, are you saying that he was left behind? Because I'm saying yes. that he and Mineru fell. I don't, it, there isn't really anything to say that they fell. Uh, Ganondorf, Ganondorf remarks that the Zonai no longer grace the world with their presence. Only Raru and Mineru remain. So I think they could have been born around either the Sky Island or Hyrule at, to come and just decided not to leave. What's your take, Crystal? We don't know how long Zonai live. Apparently not long enough because uh, Minera had to build a robot body. But they could live for a thousand years. They could live for very long. And Mineru was injured grievously. Yeah, she so, was dying. Right. Yes. She could have maybe even lived quite a deal longer than that. But I guess what we're saying is the options are uh, Raru and Mineru were born there and just elected to stay. Or they fell. Or maybe were cast as out. Cast out, yes. Descended. Dis I, I was getting there. One is they fell. They were lost. Um, much like the earliest recount of the Rito, and did not get back. Or they could have been cast out and banished for something. But the fact that Raru shows up with seven secret stones... Is that him? It certainly seems to be according to the mural that we find at the start of the game. Is that him? The depicted figure looks exactly like him. We only see two. <laughs> That's true, but... That's the way that the murals are set up. It's suggestive of a sequence of events where you see this Zonai figure with seven secret stones and then the same Zonai figure marrying Sonia. That implies to who, me that that Zonai figure is Robert. Who made these murals? They were made. Because uh, they have to be made after the imprisoning war, right? Yeah, they were made yes. by ancient Hyruleans. Okay. Well, they might not know the whole story. They, they've only seen what one male Zonai looks like. That's also true. But, I mean, wouldn't it make sense that if this happened in their lifetimes that they would be able to do that? Like, they would be able to just jot it down, though? Because, I mean, 
they seem to be depicting Rauru himself. Well, Rauru's busy being dead, and Minera's busy being in the hospital, so I don't think they can give a lot of artistic input. I think that it is a fair possibility, though, if we look at all the, the, the different things that could happen, but try to condense it to what we know, that the Zonai showed up. They wanted to mine Hyrule, or, or you know, this, this land unnamed. They did their thing, potentially creating a benefit. And then here we have Raru showing up with a benefit. Yes. And no longer being connected to the rest of his people. Yes. So it is possible one reading is, he was like, no, you can't just mine this planet and leave. We're going to at least hold the net benefit of this land with the land, even if they weren't really dispensing it out except for to one woman initially. Crystal, where do you think Raru and Mineru came from? Were they born on this earth or did they descend from the heavens? I think they were probably born on earth because they don't seem to know anything about the heavens. I do want to point out also that Raru's outfit is very much like the, uh, the storm, the charged armor that yeah. Link gets. Specifically for the Faron ceremonies involving the Thunder Dragons. Yes. I guess here's here's my timeline. The Zonai come down. Some of them go back up, but some of them stay down for reasons. The ones who stay down built the Zonai ruins that we see on the surface. And from there, Mineru and Rauru were born, the last of their kinds. But see, the thing is, a lot of what we assume to be Zonai ruins on the surface are actually ancient Hyrulean. The Typhlo ruins. The Typhlo ruins are ancient Hyrulean, which suggests that a lot, and there's ancient Hyrulean writing in the Pharaoh ruins. Okay, what about the. Uh, Is there writing? The no, it's ruins. being translated by what's his face? It's in Zonai. Okay, okay. I mean, we know that they, they were interacting, they were not completely separate from the Hylians. We also need to imagine the Ring ruins were also in Zonai and cast up into the sky with the Temple of Time. Yes, they were written in Zonai, mm-hmm. but they were also written after. What I'm suggesting is that the Zonai just keep coming down every once in a while. They must. They must. Every once in a while, Zonai will show up. And they come down for their own reasons. And my reading of it, Raru and Mineru were just one instance of Zonai continuing to come down. Raru just came down with big plans. Colonialism. Okay. Should we start in on that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's what it is, right? Would, would, you, would you call that a fair description there, Crystal? I don't know if that's necessarily the right word when there's only two of you. I mean... But I, I see what you mean. <laughs> okay, Crystal, tell us... Uh, we, we've covered a whole bunch of shit that we think it happened. We reasoned out that it probably happened, but we don't know for sure. Even up to Mineru and Raru showing up, we don't know where they came from. We can we have some pretty good guesses, but there's one specific set of events that is spoken to as a first-hand account by multiple people. So could you start us in on the founding of Hyrule? Oh yeah, Zona the Raru married Sonia, who was, I guess, a an important figure among the Hillians, maybe some kind of priestess? I think it's said that she's descended from a line of priestesses of the goddess. Yes. 
I've got the ancient tablets here. Yeah, we'll go over it. But later. we can go, go over on, them. Crystal. But 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 continue, Crystal. Uh, she married Rauru, and they declared that this place is now a place called the Kingdom of Hyrule. If Rauru is the king and Sonya is the queen. Named for Hylia. Interesting. <laughs> it's interesting that it's named for Hylia, yeah. I mean, that's about it, isn't it? That, that is the basic of it, yes. That is basically how it starts. Rauru, a god descended from on high, carrying seven of the secret stones of the Zonai, which grant unimaginable power, falls in love with either before or after marriage. Well, hold on. No one said anything about falling in love with <laughs> I said before or after marriage. It could be after. The way she, she like, chides him. But they dote on each other. Don't yeah. throw that shit out. But no, when Crystal. Zelda was sad and, like, she punches him to get over there to, like, console her. They're, they're married, they're, they're Crystal. Married. <laughs> they are capital M married. Are you saying okay. that you, are you not a Rania shipper? I'm saying that it's clear that they had explicitly political goals with their marriage. That's that may yeah. coexist with romantic love. Yes. That's or why, it may not. That's why I'm saying, if I had to guess, they probably fell in love after their marriage. If I had to guess. It's interesting why she was specifically chosen. I don't know. Oh, there's a lot about Sonya that's very interesting. Uh-huh. I think that for as little time as she gets on screen compared to... Raru and Zelda, she's quietly the most interesting figure in the story. She's got and a I'm Triforce really on sure. her. What's that, Crystal? I'm really not sure what to make of Sonya. Oh, do tell. Yeah, she's got a Triforce on her. She looks like Hylia. You know, she's she is clearly looks like an ancestor of Zelda and a descendant of Hylia. How does it line up with Skyward Sword? Who knows? We'll discuss that later. <laughs> we sure will. Um... She has the light power, but not time power. No, she has the time power. The other way around, yes. It's Raru who yes, has okay. the light power. Other way around. I, I mix it up because she fires a fucking command, <laughs> which is uh-huh. not really a time power. Um, and it's implied strongly that Zelda is her descendant, even though they don't appear to have children. They are related by blood. Rather, she, they are supposedly related by blood. She can sense that. Yes. And Zelda could be <laughs> descended from one of her cousins, for all we know. Okay, sure. <laughs> I think that they, they do mean to, in some sense, imply that Zelda's her kid, or, you know, descendant directly. But I don't think they had a kid. We'll... We'll get to it. We'll, we'll get to it. We will definitely, <laughs> since, since we're doing this... Uh-huh, chronologically. Chronologically, we will definitely get to it. But I think that... Can I just say, Sonya has maybe the best design of any character in the whole series since, like, Rutella. Like, she looks pretty good. She is yeah. a hell of a design. And her tattoos, she has the Eye of Hylia on her. She has the Triforce on her. She, I think it's worth pointing out that her skin tone and hair color are more or less an exact match for Impa from Skyward Sword. Hmm. So, I would like to suggest... That as she is a priestess of the goddess, descended from a line of priestesses of the goddesses, that she herself is what in the time of Skyward Sword would be called a Sheikah. Now, this you know, is, that does make sense. Now, this is, of course, separate from the Sheikah who are a branch off of the Hylians. Oh, you're saying that's separate where they were more of a people's, like, just what was formally described as a race. Well, the Sheikah that I'm referring to in Skyward Sword are definitely like an ethnicity of human. Mm-hmm. And Hylians would mostly be another ethnicity of human. 
But Chica like developed on their own for thousands of years because they stayed on the ground while the Hylians went off into fucking space. Yes. They're also very long lived. Yes. Very. So they and they are much more long lived than modern Shika. So they to me must be different peoples. Yes. Yes. Now that I hadn't thought of the Impa connection before, but now that you bring it up, now that I'm looking at them both, they do look like they could be related. Yeah. So I, I think that the fact that Sonia is bearing markings of the worship of Hylia and her dress, uh, her mode of dress is actually very similar to, uh, well, the priestess and the oracles of the gods or of Hylia all wear these white robes, right? Yes. So this is something that we know prior to the founding of the kingdom of Hyrule this time. This time. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, there is Hylia worship. There are priestesses of Hylia. There is knowledge of the Triforce. There is eye symbology already incorporated. Yes. Though we should discuss that the Zonai also have eye imagery and a third eye. And that I'm going to want to talk about a little bit. But one, that'll be once we get past this and to the range of about the Calamity. I'll want to talk about it. Okay. Shall shall I count the Chamberlain's stone tablets? Please. Uh, sure. Okay. So, the ancient stone tablets. Yes. Yes. Crystal, did are... you get all these? I didn't get all of them now. Oh, there's some shit in there. Yes. There are 13 stone tablets. Let me grab... Um, some some places where people have transcribed them. Cam, you're going to have to relay this over because I don't have line open on my no problemo desktop. So the thing is that for our listeners who haven't done the ancient stone tablets, one you should. It's very interesting. But two, they're si- written in a kind of pseudo middle English, like I love it, late middle English vibe where it's almost like Chaucer. It's it's easier to parse for a modern English speaker than Chaucer is. But if you're not used to getting into that particular headspace, they can be completely impenetrable. And the places and people I want to kind of shout out now, there is Ruby Fire, who has a NeoCities blog of their their playthrough. There is Affinity Ow on uh, Reddit, who transcribed the text as is. And there's LivixBobbyX also on Reddit, who attempted to translate them. And as I was going through, I reviewed each and attempted to translate it on my own as well. But uh, there's 13 stone tablets. And the first five, I think, are the ones that come up chronologically because they are prior to, or that should be discussed right now, because they're prior to Zelda's arrival. So they're all written by a chamberlain um, and start sometime... Well, in that person's life, which is after the, the Hyrule has been founded for some time. We should mention, since it occurs chronologically, that after Hyrule was founded, it began to be beset by monsters. Yeah, this will come up in there. Okay. 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 I mean, that's not addressing it chronologically. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Thank you, Kim. Hyrule was founded. If it we was go- beset by monsters. Some shrines were created. <laughs> And let us talk about that as recounted sometime later by the Chamberlain. Oh, sure. We can make a fucking ex- exception for this shit. <laughs> the great thing about this is, for the listener, it's a lot easier to understand when read out loud than reading silently. 
Yes. Oh, absolutely. So the first one, chronologically, is Account of a Celebration. So sweet the song of King Raru, and so great the beauty of his sister's dance, that were mine eyes and ears captive. And so hend, I don't know what hend is, Queen Sonya's gaze on us all, so I felt mine heart all captive fallen. Servant's life, though much laborious, has much jollity as well. Long be the life of the royal family I love so. So basically, this is a recounting by a chamberlain of a party thrown by the royal family where the king and his sister provide the entertainment. Yes, Raru's a singer. I think that this is a very early um, way to frame the sort of ruler that Raru was and that for all of his godhood and all of his kingliness and all the fact that he does rule and eventually tries to expand his kingdom. Also, that doesn't that whole thing isn't covered in this. What? The expansion of the kingdom. Like, we're going to have to go back in time again after we're done reading these. Yes. Okay. God damn it. But, uh, it, it, Crystal, how do you feel about the way that Raru is the good king, who's very down-to-earth and, like, in the flow with his people? Yeah, it's clear from these tablets that Raru and Sonia were primarily charismatic rulers. They did not take over by force. It's just that everyone loved them, that they did not mind when they declared a kingdom. When a god shows up, it makes sense that a god would lead you. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. They've been at it for a while. <laughs> Just them, no offspring or other uh, children coming to rule. It's just their kingdom. They don't have a castle either. They just go around. I think they do have a castle. The castle's built much later. Well, not yeah, they have a castle. It's probably not the castle okay. that we see. Maybe they live in the Temple of Time. <laughs> It's worth looking at the layout in that memory again, but we can yeah. do that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Later. So, second one is the strong queen and the receptive king. Sonia, queen to Hyrule's king, by birth Hylian priestess, herself born of land, not of sky above. Speak she with open heart, earnest to all, uen even to the Zonai's king. This king thinks it good, I think adventure, so to learn the land's folk, or maybe advantage. To see his head bent to listen is such pleasure. So I think that this line here is important because it contrasts Sonia's terrestrial birth with the king that she's married to, which is part of why I think that Raru came from the sky. That makes sense. Yes, that does imply that. The The thing that I find interesting here is, though there's no apostrophe, the Chamberlain calls Raru Zonai's king, which I distinguish from Hyrule's king, in that she's saying that he's the king of the Zonai, too. Does that make sense? Hmm. And that he's a king who abandoned the Zonai people to bring their blessings down to the Hyruleans? Yeah, or at least that this is the Chamberlain's perspective. What do you think, Crystal? Yeah, it does seem like um, the Chamberlain understood this as a unification of two pre-existing kingdoms. Like maybe Sonia was already the priestess queen. It's possible. She does refer to uh, Sonia as a Hylian priestess by birth, which means that she was of Hylia's people when she was born. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there is definitely a line of priestesses of Hylia, and she was born into it. And the worship of Hylia is just default here. I guess by, to some degree or another, you'd have to accept Hylia in order to rule over a people who call themselves Hylians. It may in yes. fact be that the Temple of Time was erected and a shrine to Hylia built in it. 
basically to to yeah to tie Laru to the worship of Hylia. That that reflexively makes sense to me. It is a temple to Hylia. Yes. And it is the center of their kingdom. Yes. Does that imply that the Zonai already venerated Hylia, or do we think that Raru adopted this when he married into Sonia's family? I gravitate towards the latter, but I think it is also distinctly possible that the Zonai could have worshipped Hylia as well. How about you, Crystal? From this passage, it seems like um, Raru is listening to the people and to Sonia about their religion and customs, mm. meaning he wasn't previously familiar with them. That does make sense. It is also worth noting that Hylia's image that has carried on is in the shape of a Hylian or human. I, I, I like the line here that the Chamberlain takes note the fact that Sonia speaks her mind to everyone, even to a king born of Zonai. So you do think that it's a, a, a king well, of the it, Zonai. it doesn't matter if he's a king of the Zonai. He is a king, and he is Zonai. Mm-hmm. But Sonia speaks her mind plainly even to him, and it's something that the Chamberlain takes note of, because normally the Zonai are seen as being above Hylians, but Sonia refuses to treat him or Maneru that way. Mm-hmm. They are not elevated above her, which sort of implies to me that they're not in her eyes, elevated above the rest of the Hylians either, because they are all beneath Hylia. Tablet 3, The Harmonious Couple Often wise Raru, king of keen blade, wave his work real in favor of the hunt, and often quaint Sonya, queen of keen insight, seek out him and repair this king to kingly business. In her sapience seems she divine, that she could him ever find, and for his folly seems him the more human. And the king? Oh, he laughed. Not him, her equal for her wit, he knows. And the queen, she laughed too. Also, even she scolds. Even as she scolds. Even as she scolds. Somebody's being a little bit too literal with their transliteration. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't get fully through rewriting all this. Oh, I see. I'm keeping it largely. No, this is me. You. I'm not pulling somebody else. Oh, you should have had me look at it. I, I am. In some parts, I do translate it more to, you know, conventional English. But in other places, I'm keeping it because I'm not absolutely sure. And I think it makes it's clear enough anyway at that point. What do you- I am reading the original text as I listen, and it's all matching up. Good. I'm glad. So what do you make of how, – how do you read all this, Crystal, this particular harmonious couple? Um, this is kind of further hammering the point of the last one, that Rauru is kind of just a guy. He's not – he likes to go hunting. And he likes to get scolded by his wife. <laughs> He's a wife guy at this point. Yeah. He is not this uh, godlike being. If anything, Sonia seems a little more divine than he is. She wants him focused on the ruling aspect. It's not even about the ruling aspect, I think. King. Because as near as we can tell, Raru doesn't actually rule in that sense. He doesn't seem to be much doing the governance. There's some sort of kingly business that he has to attend to. Yes, Though it's still unclear what a king of Hyrule actually does. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 It's just interesting to me that he doesn't see himself as that. It's not who he is, and he, it's not who he wants to be. It's just something that he does by circumstance. But the really interesting bit of this particular transcription to me is the way that it hints that Sonia has foresight not just insight into her husband's personality, but that she can find him without fail in the great wilds yes. every time. 
it implies that Sonia can perceive reality slightly differently from other people, including her deific husband. She's got- I'm starting to get the impression that this marriage was her idea. <laughs> you know what? I also think that it was her idea. <laughs> she has a divine sapience. I think that she actually does have a divine sapience, a sense for the future, and that, well, we'll get into this it. This will come up. This will come up. But uh, it, this is also where the word human is used. <laughs> Go on. I just want to call that out. Maru yeah. seems all the more human. And, and they've tried to extinguish that word from Skyward Sword, but here it is. Yeah, there, there's a difference between human versus Hylian. I think that word could also be read as humane. It could be. Uh, and that's still rooted in human. Yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think we can, we, can, we can say that Hylian is a specific ethnicity of human. Yes. <clears throat> Four, a pilgrimage of light. The light... The king was lately come this even, I think evening, so yeah. make the queen to share tales of her land, of shrines all green glowing. Of early days since Hyrule's founding, have diverse monsters her realm besaged and uh, assailed. Unceasing in strife, they brought to despair folk's life. King and queen set themselves to bring scourge to end. With might of light and power, driven back it has been. And the royal couple made these shrines to seal them away. These holy seals been called shrines of light. Great king, great queen, I thank ye. You fought when I was maiden child that I could peace to know. Okay, so this is the first indication we have that monsters are a problem in Hyrule. But according to the Chamberlain, they only really appeared when the kingdom was founded. What do we make of that? Is that the timeline he's setting? I think so. Of early days, since Hyrule's founding, have diverse monsters her realm besieged. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. It seems like that's kind of the main purpose of their rulership, is to deal with the monsters by building the shrines. That is definitely the labor to which they put themselves for several years. But it also sounds like the monsters are a reaction to their declaration of rule. Someone's not happy about this new kingdom. Gandorf. <laughs> I'm not saying that's the case, but it's something that I think is possible. <laughs> Who else would it be but the <laughs> demon king? Well, he's not the demon king yet, is he? But he has the soul of the demon king that will eventually corrupt the secret stone. Oh, God, we're not. You realize? I don't mean that in a demise way. No, I. To be clear, I, I know we're about. We are going to have to have the demise conversation. Uh-huh. If not this episode, then next episode. By the way, for our listeners, you won't be able to tell because I use truncate silence. But the three of us have been talking for one hour and 47 minutes and about 45 seconds. And we have yet to get to the memories that Zelda leaves behind. <laughs> We're not there yet. Okay. I just want to say we have not even gotten to the Chamberlain's description of when Zelda shows up, after which <laughs> we will go back in time to the our description of the founding of Hyrule, our recap of everything up to Zelda showing up, and then a more detailed description of her memories. Uh-huh. You, you two have got <laughs> us locked in so that we are going to be having two possibly two and a half episodes where we will be 
discussing all of this shit <laughs> before we get to the start of the game. Uh-huh. But this is useful context. This is going to be three episodes before Link gets his arm ripped off. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Before the, the credits or the intro title. Before we get the intro title, we will be three episodes deep. Like what a great opening. What a great, what a, what, yeah, it was a strong opening, this game. It has a strong opening. We'll get to it in two or three weeks when we actually talk about the opening. Um, Ganondorf. It was Ganondorf. I Ganondorf think, called the monsters. I gotta think it was probably Ganondorf. Just as a way to, like, test Hyrule's defenses. But uh, he called a lot of them to require 135, 152 shrines. Do we think all the shrines were on the ground to start? Yes. Okay. What do you think, Crystal? Yeah, I guess so. That makes sense, right? Now, here's the thing. The ones that are in the sky don't have light roots beneath them, which suggests to me that even though they used to be on the ground, they were ripped from the ground and the light roots beneath them withered and died. Now that I think about it, so this particular account says that the shrines are green glowing, meaning I'm assuming there's that spiral on top of them. Yes. But the shrines, at least the one you see in the sky initially, was deactivated like a rock and only gets reactivated with the green glow when I was like, hey, you you should go here. So I think that, so these were shrines where the light was purifying this ancient evil. And after some point, it was purified. Link's able to safely take in that thing that's no longer, right, it's no longer being used to any effect. But in the meantime, that excess light was feeding the light roots. And therefore, it's in a state where now that everything has been fired back up, the light roots are essentially deactivated until they are returned on by Link. I mean, that makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah. Hey, imagine being Ganondorf, right, Crystal? You're Ganondorf. You send over some bacoblins or whatever. You just start using your dark magics to summon up monsters. And you do such a good job of it that a god and a priestess of Hylia have to run around and build 152 shrines to seal your shit away. How big does your ego get after that shit? <laughs> it's like pretty big. Damn, I did a good job. Imagine you're a, a king, a recognized king of a people. Oh, no. And you've got your land, and suddenly uh, one day... Uh, we're, we're going to get to that. It might be next episode, but we will have the I full... I think we can get to it. No, we will have the full Ganondorf conversation around the memories. Oh, Th- This is for the Chamberlain. Okay, let me finish off the, the last one. Oh, there, there's, there's more. The fifth one. Okay. Which is before Zelda shows up. Five, the researcher Minoru. Quaint Minoru, this Chamberlain really describes... Sonya and Minoru is quaint. The king's elder sister falls so deep in her books uh, so that she often forgets to eat. In my worry, doing as much as I can, I haven't translated this part. In my worried way, I do as much as I can. Yes. But I fear it has been to little avail. Of late, treateth she of constructs, things she did make with her hands as vessel for spirit, when the body lies fallen. So said she, might she live long, in spirit housed within this construct. Though Minoru not seems to hold any deceit, by my faith, 
I know not. I cannot I the cannot. truth of these words believe. Uh, I, thank you. I was looking at Ken as a no. Ken is. Uh, yeah, no, I, that, that's the good translation. Yeah, Ka, yeah, Ken, Khan instead of Ken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So she's like, and this, this was my first, like, we were going to say pog moments. This was my pog moment because then it's like, oh, Minoru's still around. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Which one is she? Which one is she? Because, like, ooh. I really like Minoru, you see. She's very cool. She sounds great in the Japanese dub. Did we all three play it in Japanese? Yes. No, I played English. Oh, how was the English dub? Not great. I thought you said you were going to play it in Japanese. I must have forgotten. Oh, well, the Japanese dub is pretty great. That's good. I do want to note that Raru remarks that at the time, it was sadly necessary to protect our land from invaders by means of the constructs as well. This is when Link is wandering around and sees constructs. He's like, yeah, they're going to beat their beat your ass when they see you. They can't help it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So this is interesting because it's really covering a very small amount of things compared to the other ones. It doesn't tell us a whole lot about them, except that Mineru is a mad scientist who's going to extend her life beyond the death of her body. Mm-hmm. The Chamberlain describes the constructs broadly as vessels for spirits when bodies have fallen. Yes. Does that suggest that all the constructs have spirits in them? What do you think, Crystal? That's that's what this sounds like. I think it is possible that, that any given construct could be. However, I think they are robots. Yeah, I think that they are strictly artificial. We only see one construct with a spirit in it over the course of the game, and it behaves very differently from all the others. Hold on. Hold on. The pose are underground. The Zonite is underground. Is Zonite energy the life stream? Were we having... I feel like this is a conversation that we had at some point during one of the trailers, and I ended up screaming at both of you when you suggested that the souls would be used to build constructs. (laughs) It's been some months. Maybe that didn't happen, but I feel like it did. Maybe you dreamed it. I don't think I dreamed it. I think that I was very mad. I got big mad. <laughs> the bargainers took the pose and put them inside rocks. I I don't think that happened. Maybe okay. maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think that happened. Maybe the souls unpassed will turn into Zonite. Then why would they venerate the bargainers? No, okay, I know. I'm just throwing things around. <laughs> I'm suddenly getting angry again. And I don't have any reason to get angry at the moment, but it's getting it's just bubbling up inside of me. I feel like I'm going to explode. So so the <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. The constructs are kind of like tranquil from Dragon Age because, you know, they seem to be people, but they don't have, like, desires. Okay, go on. Explain to our listeners what the tranquil from Dragon Age are. Uh, They're people who have had their connection to the spirit world cut off, so they're autistic. Is that? It's, yes. That's definitely how they are coded. Dragon Age is bad, the Tranquil are bad, but that's my analogy here. I, I think that Tears of the Kingdom sidesteps that, thank goodness, because especially a lot of the initial constructs you run into are like, I don't eat, I don't really know how eating's like, Yeah, but they, you they, can eat if you want. They, the way that they describe their existence, they don't know what life is like. The organic life and organic concerns and the perception of the passage of time is completely alien to them. 
I don't think that they have formerly living spirits in them. They are artificial. That's that's my take. They have less personality than the ancient robots. That's true. I think that the body referred to as failing is Minoru's specifically, because Minoru's power is of the spirit, specifically of her spirit. She can astral project even before the power of the secret stone. So what she's really doing is building something, not a broad concept where every construct is meant for this purpose, because the constructs were, have been around since the monsters started attacking. But it's a specific kind of construct being talked about here, one that could house her spirit when her body dies. Because the Chamberlain refers to constructs again later, and the way that it's described makes it sound very much like the construct that ends up becoming Minoru's body. More on Minoru, can I also remark that she's very tied to the owl imagery. She's got owls all over her. Oh, God. Where do we talk about the owls and the boars and the dragons? I think this can be the time, because we were talking about the Zonai and the life that they lived on the and around the land. The labyrinths are built, and a lot of the Zonai imagery on their outfits have the boar, the owl, the dragon, and the statues, for that matter. And those must have been built after the founding of Hyrule, because there's shrines on them in the sky. The shrines could have been placed after, though. In the sky? I don't know. It doesn't seem that way to me. Hey, Crystal, what do you make of the fact that one of the labyrinths is referred to as a mansion? Hmm. Whose mansion? I guess the Lord of... Lome? Lo, yeah, Lome. The Lord of... I can't even remember if it's Lord of Owl... Ruler of Owl, It's not Lord. It's Ruler. Ruler of Owls, Ruler of Boars, and Ruler of Dragons. One with each with a labyrinth. But one of them just has a mansion. Their labyrinth is a mansion. They used to live there. The Zonai make big, complicated houses for themselves. Which one's called a mansion? The Lome. I, I, no, they're all called Lome. There's upper or northern, southern, and Lome. I th- it's also... I read it as extra textual and outside of canon. Uh, the deliberate ruling of this is in the Making a Champion book. They tie each of these animals to courage, wisdom, and power. So the boar for power, owls for wisdom, dragon for courage. I do see it, though. There's three, and those are typically how those, maybe not the dragon part, but, you know, owls and and boars with wisdom and power definitely make a lot of sense. There's a castle. Are you talking about the Lome castle? Possibly. No, you had it on that page you had open. Search for castle. North Lome castle. Top yeah. floor. North Lome. So the one in Hebra is referred to as a castle. Hmm. It is the place where whoever Lome is, they chill out there. Is Lome one person who is the ruler of dragons, of boars, and of owls? Lome kind of sounds like a deity to me. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Do we think that Lome was a Zonai? Or did they come after the Zonai? They are Zonai. The... The text at the labyrinths on the ground floor are all in Zonai. That link can't read, but uh, Toro has translated. I do want to note here, though the architecture maybe looks a bit newer, there's the the eternal dragon circling around that that link activates and and gets spoken to by this ruler. 
at each ruin. Right. And this double dragon iconic um, iconography. Am I saying that word right? That's close enough. The double dragons. That's just there, there's three possibilities to me of what that image represents. I want to hear Crystal's idea first. Okay, Crystal. What are the, what are the double dragon Ouroboros? That's uh, that's Zelda and Ganondorf. Yeah, that seems to me the obvious, like the the, the most direct one. Okay. And I think that's the answer I would settle on. There's two dragons of note in the game. It's Zelda and Ganon. The eternal battle of Zelda and Ganon. Spoiler for the final battle. Spoiler. Uh, Theoretically, like, these were constructed even before that, or definitely before the Ganon dragon. Some people may read it as Raru and Sonya, although there's not really much to go off of there. I think, benevolently... We could potentially also read it as Zelda and Link. I can see that. I mean, they're fated throughout time to be together. Yeah. Except whenever Link marries a horse girl. Cameron? I mean, he does it canonically at least a couple times. He does not. He does. Wait, when does he do it canonically at least a couple times? At least a couple times. I mean, there's a reason that the Ocarina of Time amiibo... Uh, gives you, okay, maybe not a couple, maybe only once, but there's a reason the Ocarina of Time Amiibo gives you the Lon Lon Ranch uh, paraglider. Because it's a cute image. And his descendant is also a cowboy who works with cows and goats and horses and stuff. I dispute this. Uh, you don't, I don't care if you dispute it. It's I'm just lodging my, my... Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. Zelda has to sacrifice her love for the hero of time. In order to make everything good. No, yeah, I, I can see Malink for Ocarina. Yeah. Monica's torn between Z-Link always happens, and boy, it's a better story if Zelda and Link just pine for each other from afar while he lives another life. Maybe uh, whenever Link is delivering goat's milk to the castle, he shares a longing look with Queen Zelda. Yeah, I know. I like that, too. Okay. I, I'm okay with that, too. But I think it's just it's Z-Link in, in the way that it matters. <laughs> anyway, digression. Apologies. Hey, at some point, we need to talk about dragons, because there's a lot to talk about with regards to dragons. Uh-huh. I would like to talk about dragons as a larger subject whenever we get to Zelda's last memory. Okay. So, I, I think with this... Chamberlain Tablet 5, we have gotten up to the point of Zelda's appearance. Yes. But is that where we want to call it for this episode? It can be where we call it, but I think that we should finish the Chamberlain's Tablets before we go back to Zelda's perspective. Okay. That's just my thought. Dear listeners, we have been recording for over two hours, and just so you know, I expected we would get through everything up to Zelda's memories. (laughs) That didn't fucking happen. I think that we should read the remaining Chamberlain's things in conjunction with Zelda's memories. I'll find the right points. <sighs> they take place at certain intervals. <sighs> a lot of it is going to be speculation, whereas if we just read them beforehand, it's not speculation. It's, it's fine. just it's just clean. It's fine. It's just clean. No. But in that case, we're going to be doing some of the Chamberlain's memories after Zelda's last memory. Yes. Okay. I think I agree with Monica. Yay! Again, again, I'm overruled. Okay. I can't, I can't fight you two. It's literally impossible for one person to fight two people in this way. Uh huh. Okay. Well, um, 
In spite of the fact that Twitter is actively breaking as we have this conversation, it is just goofy how much it's falling apart. We do have some questions about Tears of the Kingdom, especially with regards to the game's ancient history period uh, on Twitter. Shall I read some of them? Yeah. Okay. We'll start off with the, the question blurb. Where can people blurb. send questions? Oh, of course. Now, just because we're doing this now doesn't mean that you can't send in your own questions. We're going to be doing episodes on this apparently for fucking months. So, <laughs> feel free to send in any questions that you might have to bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Once more, bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. I would say that you could also send it to us on our Twitters, but by the time you listen to this episode, maybe Twitter doesn't exist anymore. Who fucking knows? So... These are the questions that we got from Twitter. Continental Lady Mira sends, Who else ate forbidden gummies to become Dinral, Farosh, and Nadra? Did Volga Hyrule Warriors have a secret stone and become Volvagia? Now, what our friend of the show Mira is asking here relates to something we haven't quite covered yet, which is the concept of draconification. Draconification is an ancient forbidden Zonai practice, whereby swallowing a secret stone, a tool of the gods, one might become an immortal dragon. And the implication that they are using here is that, well, I'm not going to say that the writers are doing it, but our friend Mira, what she's saying is that it's possible that every dragon we've seen throughout the entire fucking series ate a secret stone. Well... I can say quite confidently that Volvagia is not an immortal dragon. He is weak to hammer. <laughs> Very weak to hammer, as it turns out. It, do we think that Farosh, Nadra, and Dinral ate forbidden gummies, ate megatamas? It is clear that they are Zonai-type dragons. Now, the two directions we could go is that either one, yes, they ate the forbidden gummies, or that... They are like the original form of the Zonai. Go on. That Zonai ate different forbidden gummies to become people. <laughs> huh. That's actually not one of the possibilities I considered, but it's it's interesting. That is very interesting, actually. I kind of like that idea. So what you're suggesting is that there are there are naturally occurring dragons. Yes. Not every dragon has to be a Zonai. No, and, and the, the, every well, dragon not, is a Zonai. Not every, not every dragon is a dragon who became a Zonai who became a dragon. <laughs> yes. I think there's also the possibility that there are just natural dragons who are not Zonai, either before or after. We have some instances of Skyward Sword having dragons that are not Zonai-type dragons, and I would argue very probably aren't Zonai. The question is, do we think that these specific instances, Denral... Farosh and Nadra were originally Zonai. Because I, I know that in the past on the Accursed Timeline document God four years ago now, we suggested that they were the same uh, spirits who guarded the different areas of Hyrule. Like they were also the light spirits and may in fact mm -hmm. have also been the dragons from Skyward Sword. But does the events of Tears of the Kingdom make us want to drop that and reconsider them? So if we go back to the Hyrule Compendium, let me read out for Dinral. Oh, fuck me. A spirit of fire has taken the form of this giant dragon. Mm. Worth noting here that all the dragons are also uh, female. Yes. Their gender was revealed. Yeah. Very surprising to me. They're the goddesses. I'm sorry? 
Seems like they're the goddesses, ain't they? Do you mean they're the old gods, or they are goddesses that were conflated with the old gods? They're the old gods. The old gods were draconified? I thought that the old gods went back to their distant nebula. <laughs> well, they're pretty high up. <laughs> but they also go into the depths. That's not very high up. That's not a distant nebula. They do go into the depths. That's so weird. I think that is pretty cool, actually, because it implies that they were patrolling the depths, even in Breath of the Wild, making sure that shit was copacetic. Yeah, they, well, more in particular in Breath of the Wild, they go up through a cloud barrier portal. Yes, which implies that they were checking out the Sky Islands and the depths. Were they gathering Zonite down there to bring back up? No, I don't think so. I think that they were trying to, like, they are guardians of the land, and they are doing their best to make sure that everything is as it should be. The Demon King hasn't risen, the Sky Islands haven't fallen, or at least the most important ones haven't fallen. That pattern of behavior does suggest that they are specifically geared toward the problems of the Demon King as framed by Zonai architecture. And it's true, it's possible that these could be the spirits of light or even the other dragons we see from Skyward Sword because we're only seeing them in Breath of the Wild to now. In the interval, they could have swallowed a stone. True. Like, even those dragons could have undergone draconification. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. That'd be one way to survive the calamity. Yes. Though, you know, in, in Skyward Sword, they at least two of them were male. Yes. But that's not... I mean, maybe they have fluid gender. Listen, we've had multiple characters in The Legend of Zelda who are trans. It's fine. Yes. Who cares? So to answer Mira's question, either the Golden Goddesses or the Light Spirits slash Skyward Sword Dragons. Or possibly just some Zonai. So or just some Zonai. We don't know. Or maybe they're just dragons. They could also just be dragons, but they sure do look like Zonai dragons. I just see them as Asian dragons things. Yeah, I know, but like they're also like they behave like Zonai dragons in that they don't respond to anything. They don't. They have specific purposes that they are devoted to, but they are incommunicative in a way that no other major spirit in Zelda True. ever has been. Can we also note that in the very first trailer for Tears of the Kingdom? Oh, son of! Oh, yeah. We they ended it. I thought like nothing of note that they ended with Zelda's lullaby on Arhu. And they, what they meant by it is Zelda's a dragon. They told us from the fucking start, Crystal, yeah. the first thing they did was play Zelda's lullaby on the Arhu. And it turns out that's because that's the She's old, a dragon. That that instrument's only used for dragons. Damn. So they, they had it they told us. They had it planned at least that far back. <sighs> Sorry, Mira, we can't give a definite answer. But yes, we do think they're probably, like, they probably underwent draconification. I see that this is also a question echoed by Stephen. Well, we'll we'll answer Stephen's also because that goes into a slightly more detailed framing. But uh, Tippy writes in: Are the Sonai descended or adjacently connected to the Faror in the similar way that Zelda and Hylia seem to be connected to Nehru? Okay, that's an interesting question. I, I need to percolate over this for a minute, but I, I think that the connection between Hylia and Nehru is actually really tenuous. Because you're not connecting Hylia to Nehru, you're connecting Zelda to Nehru. Because Zelda gets the Triforce of Wisdom, and Zelda is connected to Hylia. That doesn't mean that Hylia and Nehru have a special connection. I don't think of the Zonai as being shepherds of life. If anything, 
The Great Deku Tree is the most Ferori-like of all spirits. Yeah, yeah, I'd absolutely agree with that. But are the Zonai courageous? I, 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 mm. I guess. <laughs> Not especially. Traveling through space. Can I be honest? They mostly just seem like guys. <laughs> I do find it interesting that in Breath of the Wild, the degree that we do see the Zonai and their ruins and their the outfits said to be Zonai or from an ancient peoples are all relating to to courage or, or the um, Farron region. That's true, yeah. Well, I mean, the Hyruleans who lived in the Farron region, or the Zonai who did, like, if it was Hyruleans living in the Farron region, they clearly venerated the Zonai quite a lot. Or the Courage Dragon, as seen through the Zonai. True. Yes. Yes. Uh, this is also a point where extra textual stuff really comes down wrong. And I bet when they were, were writing it, they thought that it would never be poked at. But the Making the Champion booklet described um, the Zonai being a people who worshipped a water dragon. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> um, I, I, I would also like to point out, just for the sake of context, that the Charge outfit, the Ember outfit, and the Frostbite outfit are all... Zonai stylings. Yes. They suggest that there are different groups of Zonai, but they're all also made for Hylians, for Hylians to interact with the dragons. So Hyl- and they're all in the shape of those dragons, so the shape of the dragons were known in the past, yes. too. Yes. So Denral, Faroche, and Nadra were at least around. Which but- I think makes it impossible for them to be the spirits of light yeah. or the other dragons then. Well, that depends on when this takes place, but we'll get to the timeline placement a little bit later. I think that we should save the discussion about the timeline placement of the past until we get to the end of Zelda's uh, memories. Mm -hmm. Yes. Just like the dragon conversation. So for our our sake and my sake, one conceit of the accursed timeline is that there is a new Hyrule and an old Hyrule. Yes. Which one is this? This is still old Hyrule. Okay. The original Hyrule. This is the original Hyrule. The okay. old kingdom that was eventually built into new Hyrule. The old kingdom, a.k.a. new Hyrule. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know if the... Yeah, okay. I mean, what do you want me to call it? It's not the new kingdom. It's the old kingdom. The old kingdom, which is new Hyrule. Yes. Got it. Okay. But to answer your question, Tippy, um... Crystal, do you think that, one, do you think that the Zonai are connected to Faror, or do you see Zelda as being connected to Nehru, intrinsically? Now that I think about it, the Zonai are kind of Ferori-like with their connect with the Faron region and their connection to the Courage Dragon. So, yeah. But there's also at least a different group of Zonai that had a connection to the Wisdom Dragon, and another group of Zonai that were connected to the Power Dragon. That's true. Why is Raru the king when Minoru is the older sister? Great question. She doesn't want to be queen. She doesn't want to be a col- canola- colonialist. colonialist. Well, she's, she's not stopping her brother, so. Mm. She's a tinkerer in her lab. Yeah. Mm. She just builds the war machines. She doesn't deploy them. And um, I, think, I think that one of the things is that a lot of people, it's been about 12 years since Skyward Sword, right? But Mm -hmm. what Skyward Sword did effectively is sever the idea of the Aonuma era. Each of the big three has a connection to one piece of the Triforce and one of the old gods. 
Yes. So what we really have to do is stress that the Zelda series is leaving that behind. And the longer we think of it in those... Though a link between worlds didn't help with this shit. I think that one can be connected to Hylia and to Nehru. Well, sure. But does that mean Hylia is connected to Nehru? No. Okay. Uh, From one Mr. Croats, is this the imprisoning war or another imprisoning war? (laughs) This is the sixth or seventh imprisoning <laughs> war. That's ju- that's actually true. This is the sixth or seventh imprisoning war. How, how, let's, let's count them out. So we have this one. Yep. We have the uh, the interlopers. Yeah, that is an imprisoning war. We have a link to the past imprisoning war. Yep. We have Ocarina of Time imprisoning war. Yep. Um, what am I missing? Well, you've got the uh, Twilight Princess more immediate past imprisoning war. That game had two imprisoning wars in it. That's right. Yeah, so that's five. Four Swords Adventures is an imprisoning war. Yep, that's right. They was intended to be <laughs> the imprisoning war story for the third time. Ocarina. That's six. Did you already say Ocarina of Time? I said Ocarina. Okay, because yeah. that's that's definitely an imprisoning war. Um, but the backstory of Skyward Sword is an imprisoning war. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's seven. So we're at least up to seven. Oh, right. There we go. There's the backstory of Maladus, also an imprisoning war. Okay. Yep. That's eight. Uh, you could probably argue that Bellum is an imprisoning war. Okay. So we're at least nine. More th- This is the ninth imprisoning war. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the thing is, especially interesting when, when Zelda uh, in the start of the game says, like, this is the imprisoning war I've heard of or whatever. It, she's probably getting all these conflated together. Yes. Same with her observation that her ancestors married gods. It's like, that's true, but that's, that's because her ancestors were gods. Yeah, she was god. She was god for a while. And married Skyward Sword Zelda, Mary Skyward Sword Link. Yeah, I won't... Uh, yeah. You won't dispute that one. No, why would I? So the, the things that she's referring to have happened many times. At least nine that we're aware of. Oh, right. Uh, did you already say the Calamity Crystal? No. T- so that's the, t- the tenth? Tenth. So fully half... There's more imprisoning wars than there are Legend of Zelda games. What? <laughs> I'm just looping back around. God damn it. Yeah, uh, yeah what about the Vati imprisoning wars? That is that, shit. Vati is also an imprisoning war. That's like twelve imprisoning wars. Like evils get come and they get sealed, and there was a war. Shit. That's at least twelve imprisoning wars. And the bound chest is an imprisoning war too. That's 13 imprisoning wars. It is a imprisoning war, is the short yes, answer. This is this is not this is the imprisoning war in that I think it well, we'll talk about that later. But it is uh a imprisoning war. This is the moment where I realized this game was gonna be not just timeline agnostic, but timeline hostile. <laughs> it is they chose this term for a reason. Oh yeah. They did that they did it for two reasons. One, to make Crystal in particular just pog out. And two, uh, to take the Hyrule Historia timeline and throw it in the fucking garbage. Yeah. You know, very funny. There's some um, Hyrule Historia um, orthodoxists who hold that the only way for this to fit is that the backstory of Tears of the Kingdom takes place after the latest game in the timeline, excepting Breath of the Wild. That's not 
I mean, you could support that yeah, idea, but it's not complete. Is that the most interesting idea? It's com- it's not uncogent, but it's so boring. You might as well just say that each game is separate from another. I mean, yes, that is that, one cogent way to read it. I mean, it is when you get but when, when you're going to unify a timeline. When you get right down to it, except for during the Alnuma era, Zelda is very much an anthology series. It is Final Fantasy esque. There are also people who are saying now. Because of Tears of the Kingdom, it's making older games basically just like a, a story or legend that was misrecounted. That's fine. Yeah, but also not the most interesting way to no. discuss a timeline. No. It's saying that all the other games aren't real. I mean, it can I, be real. <laughs> Hyrule Historia Orthodoxes. <laughs> yeah, Hyrule Historia. It's Those are a thing. I think that's actually the vast majority of the fandom that engages with the timeline or Hyrule, his, like they hold to the Hyrule Historia Orthodoxy. And it, it really makes... Might as well, go ahead, Crystal. You might as well say that the Roman Empire fell in the 5th century. <laughs> oh, God. It really makes clear the benefit of not following a canonical statement an extra canonical statement by the the author or publishers. Don't let publishers tell you what. No, you're especially don't. when they're not going to hew to it. They don't know. They they're not constrained by it. Yeah, they don't care. So the, you the fact, shouldn't constrain yourself. The fact that they're not constrained is freeing for all of us. Yes, and you shouldn't you shouldn't want them to be constrained. That's how you end up with Halo games where they don't know what's supposed to be happening now. Because they got rid of all the threats. They can't keep going back and back to have recursive, even more precursor races. Can they, Crystal? Can they do that? Yeah, they can. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. That, but- are they still doing it? Yeah. Oh. How, how far back are we now? How many layers of recursor or precursor races do we have now? I think it's still just the forerunners and the precursors. Okay. I would also like to define this as the Witcher issue. Spoilers, Geralt dies. Nothing can take place after that in a meaningful way. So now a bunch of the stories are what happened beforehand. Well. That's not that interesting. No, not really. Sorry, Sapkowski. I do like your writing. I mean, do you have to spoil the books for people? Those books have been out for like 30 years. It's fine. Yes. And also it's not canonical to the game. Or the games aren't canonical to the books. I mean, the games try to be because they're just like, ah, Geralt didn't really die. Yeah. It's fine. But no, Geralt of Rivia is fucking dead. He's also King Arthur. What? Come again? He went to Avalon. Yeah, I know he went to Avalon with Ye- Yennefer and Guinevere. Guinevere. It's the same uh-huh. fucking name. Yennefer and Guinevere. Yenne- they're the same name. Yeah. Shoot he's me, King Arthur. Shoot me in the fucking head. It's real. <laughs> oh my god. I have, to, I have to go away. I have to finish reading. <laughs> Stephen writes... Are the dragons all goddesses who have swallowed their ancient stones? I just like the framing of this question because it implies that the gods all have secret stones. And the answer is we don't know. But I wanted to read that question because I find it very pleasant as an idea. Do we think that the secret stones are very powerful things that even gods can use, unlike the Triforce, which the gods cannot use? Not fully. Hmm... Hmm. Has a god ever used the secret stone? I mean, are the Z- I mean, Ganondorf's kind of like a god, basically. Is are the Zonai gods? That's what the people say. Hey, so why do the Zonai? Oh, should we talk about the secret stones? How many secret stones makes a Triforce? Stop it! Stop it! You're being horrible. You're just being mean to me specifically. 
Uh, we know there's six secret stones, right? Seven. 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 One for the king and then one for each of the six sages. And if yes, you're, that makes sense. You're assuming maybe if the dragons did eat stones, then we know of ten. True. Okay, so Eleanor writes in with three questions. Uh, firstly, are all Hylians descended from furries? Is Zelda? I did not see a furry baby. Yeah, we haven't seen any furry babies. There's nothing in the text that suggests that Sonya and Raru actually had a child. And there were definitely already Hylians when Raru and Sonya, uh, Raru and Mineru showed up. So from where did Zelda acquire her two powers? Well, I guess we'll get to that next episode or possibly the one after. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. There are some uh, biracial. There's one biracial character, I think. Who are we talking about? The ancient hero. No, no, no. I I actually. Right. We have to talk about that's that's the perfect. We place. haven't gotten to. That's the perfect place to segue into my conversation about zoni biology and the meaning of the third eye. When we get to the calamity, then we'll talk. No, I don't think all Hylians are descended from furries, but they all have the spirit of furries inside of them, and they all, at least in the past, worshipped furries. <laughs> there were great cathedrals built to their furry overlords. And I mean, Hylia might be a furry too. It's possible. She's got, she got them wings. winged hairs. Yeah. She might be one of those biblically accurate furries. Oh, I wonder what I would get if I Googled biblically accurate furry. I'll do that later. So, Crystal, your take is that you ain't seen no babies. I ain't seen no babies. Okay. Are the Zonai related to the spirits of good or the Locomo or the Minish? I mean, it's very possible that the Zonai are also spirits of good. Helia could have been a Zonai. That's possible. But, I mean, the Zonai could also just be a subcategory of spirits of good in the sense that we describe spirits of good as being all the gods that were extant in the region at the time. Are Zonai good? Ooh. I don't think Raru is actually a god. I mean, what defines a god in this setting? The spirits of good are spirits, which Raru is not. And you're not convinced he's even good. I think he could be capable of evil. Yeah, that's true. Does being capable of evil mean that you're not good? I think it means that you're not a spirit of a good. Oh, okay. So you would suggest that the spirits of good are incapable of evil. Yeah. So you would say, you specifically would say that Hylia was not a spirit of good. Why would you do this, Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do this, this web well, that you weave? Maybe good's not so good. <laughs> I mean, we've had that conversation a few times where you see Hylia as being selfish and self-serving in a way that's not just in counter to how we've described the spirits of good, but runs counter to how you describe gods. Okay, let me rephrase then. The spirits of good are spirits. They describe their faction as being of good. Okay, now we're- But Rauru is not a spirit. He is clearly a man. Raru just wants to have a brewski and watch the game or yes, go, go he wants camp. To hunt. Yeah, hunting. Okay. So you would say that Hylia also describes herself as good. Yes. Okay. But you, you would you also say that Hylia is not a god? Because you've talked before about how the perspective of a god means that they're necessarily beyond our understanding of good and evil, and they can be justified in ways that we can't comprehend. Yeah, I think Hylia is clearly a spiritual entity. But not necessarily a god. 
oh, what's the difference between a spiritual entity and a god? Well, you have said before that you can't assign labels like good or evil to gods. I think Hylia's a perfect target for that. She's the one who incarnated. Well, what I, yeah, gave up the godhood, yes. Did I convince you two of the Zonai being aliens? Crystal no. has not oh. been convinced. I mean, I, I mean, they are aliens, but they're not space aliens. They're sky aliens. <laughs> space is just sky if you go far enough. That's true. The sky does become space if you go far enough, Crystal. No, the sky has oxygen and nitrogen and stuff. I, I, I actually don't think that this cosmos has a vacuum. Okay. Which is a very <laughs> odd thing to say, I know, but that's just my view of it. And lastly, from Eleanor... Was Big Strong Sage Raru from Ocarina of Time also an ancient king? Yes. Crystal? I mean, his role is kind of king-like, right? But clearly he did not uh, stick to that title. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm fucking sick of goddamn Ocarina of Time Raru. Um, I can't believe that they gave this ancient king his name just, as way to, just to fuck with me in particular. They make Skyward Sword of the Wild for Monica. The uh-huh. whole game is just for her. Yeah. It's specifically designed for her even more fiercely than Skyward Sword was. Thanks, Nintendo. And then they turn around and they name the third most, fourth most important character, Raru, just to fuck with me. He's in like 40 scenes. That's also proof that the game was made for me. Because you like it when they fuck with me? It's just a little. Okay. Okay. And last. Don't we have one more question? Uh, yes, we, we sort of. Uh, we Friend of the show, Luke wrote in with what might be a few questions. Firstly, he asks, Nana Force real? And he posted a picture of the Ember outfit, which is an armor that you get in this game, where the front of it has a... What would you call that? What? It has a hanging cloth that contains golden triangles uh, numbering nine, hence Nana Force hanging off of it. It's also a same iconography on the shield, right? Yes. Shield. It's just, uh, he Tassels, has, sen- he has sent us a shit post. But if you think about it, the Nana Force is actually just three Triforces. <laughs> I don't know why they drew it. Yeah. I don't know why they drew it that much, but they did. What if the Triforce is three Magatama? The Triforce is at least seven Magatama. Okay. Says Luke, more seriously, in the commonly understood view of the timeline, the Zonai must have shown up fairly soon after Skyward Sword, with Sonya presumably being a closest descendant of that Zelda. Where the heck is the Triforce then? And why don't the Zonai seem familiar with the Master Sword? Luke, that's a great question. That is a fantastic question. I think we need to shelve that before, uh, until we start talking about the timeline. You were saying, Crystal? What is the location of the Triforce? Great question. Fantastic question. We know where the Master Sword is if we stick to the Historia. Do we? Where does this... Because if we say... It's in the temple. If we say we know where the Master Sword is, we're placing this on the timeline, and I don't think we can be comfortable doing that yet. There's multiple Master Swords at the same time. Yeah, I think there might be three Master Swords at the same time if we place this on the timeline. Yeah, so that's going to be But that's fine. The Master Sword can do that. That's going to be a lot of fun when we do it from Luke. Wouldn't that mean there's also three Triforces at the same time? No. I think there's only one. I think there's only... At least two. At least two. Wait, how would... No, I think Zelda doesn't have the Triforce. Where where else would it be? She lost her... It could be anywhere. But I think she lost her connection to it at the ending of Breath of the Wild. Okay. 
I mean, she stops hearing the voice of the spirit and the sword. Which she can hear it again. She can hear it now because her power's reawakened. But The Triforce came back? I don't think it's because the Triforce came back. I think it's because when she finally met her mom and dad, her actual mom and dad who love her and take care of her and give her the emotional support that she needs and ask about her boyfriend and, like, show her how to do her hair and shit... It all, like, she just awakens as a person that allows her to come into her spiritual powers naturally in the way that she should have if Rome hadn't killed her fucking dog. I'm not seeing a conflict with the Triforce existing with her. So you're saying there's two Triforces? Where's the, there where's the other Triforces. one? Hylia is guarding it. Or it's in the sacred realm. That would mean that there's two extant. Oh, no, it's not with her when she's a dragon. Okay, then where the fuck did that one go? Hylia. <laughs> Okay, well then it's the same thing as if she lost it at the end of Breath of the Wild. No. I'm sorry? How about you explain wait, 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 this to wait. me? No, hold on, I got it. I got this one. It's the same as uh, when Link travels back in time and he takes the Triforce of Courage with him. Zelda traveled back in time, but there can't be two Triforces at once. So it just, uh, she loses it because it's in the temple or whatever. Does it take it with him? He never takes back the whole no, yeah, I know he doesn't take it with him. I'm talking about the way when he goes back, he should have it so the Triforce splits so that he does have it without him introducing a new one. Okay, so are you suggesting that Zelda, by going back in time, takes the Triforce that was previously being guarded by Hylia or in the Sacred Realm, and it's with her now? What I'm suggesting is that because Zelda goes back in time and she should have the Triforce, the Triforce goes to Hylia, who is somewhere else. Because she's Hylia. Yes. The Triforce takes the path of least resistance. Hylia is closer. But if that's the case, we are still left with the question, what happened to the Triforce that Zelda was holding? And how is it meaningfully different from her just losing it at the end of Breath of the Wild? There's only the one Triforce. I've got Monica staring off into space trying to... No, I'm just trying to think of, like, so Zelda has the Triforce, at least right before the end of Breath of the Wild. Zelda shows up. The Triforce has got to still be there. So it's just, did she take the Triforce with her back in time? I think that the Triforce exists in all of these times. And maybe it's got a very nebulous sense of time and space. Especially space. I think there can only be one. And all that changes is its location, even through time travel. So despite Zelda not having the Triforce in the past, she can still blast a Kamehameha that is much bigger than Raru or Sonya's. Yes. Yes. Because of her other powers. We'll get to it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Here's, here's what I'm going to suggest if we want for it to be this way. Okay. So Zelda has the Triforce. In Breath of the Wild, even after the ending when she loses her connection to it. When she goes back into the past, the Triforce is transferred to the Light Dragon. Right away. Yes, because that's her. The instant she vanishes, the Triforce goes to the Light Dragon. Oh, okay. The Light Dragon in the okay, sky. Yeah. Yes. In the current time. Yeah. Yes, in the current time okay. it goes to the to the Light Dragon. Yes. Is that Does that seem reasonable to the both of you? Yes. Yes. Okay. That So, as to... Luke's question, that has nothing to do with your question. Uh, we'll get to it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, homie. We will get to a timeline placement. Yeah, no, no. That's a very elegant um, solution. The Triforce is, is, is strange. 
but can identify that. She's like, find Zelda. Zelda should be holding it right now. It's like, no, it, it, it has a line of code in it because on some level it's a computer chip. Yeah. And it just says it is in Zelda's inventory. Right. And it can't not be in Zelda's inventory. Right. So when Zelda leaves through time, it remains in Zelda's inventory. It's just that she's over here now. It doesn't yeah. care about space. Yeah. And like people warp in this all the time. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, that's not blink. an issue. It's to... instant. Yeah. It never, it never isn't in Zelda's inventory. Yeah. Good job. Fuck. <laughs> Luke has one more question. <clears throat> also, since the Zonai aren't a culture of warriors that worship the spirit of the hero like y'all speculated, they can't be the source of Link's freakish strength, even if he was descended from them. Wise come, he's like that then. <laughs> he he just He's just like that. Yeah. It's just him. S- some people are just born different. Link is different. The man eats rocks and has no thoughts in his head. He's just different. Do we think that this Link is related to the ancient hero Link in any capacity? We went this whole episode without mentioning Link. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I mean, it doesn't come up. This is a time pre-Link. The pre-Master Sword. The the idea of the hero, Link himself, the Master Sword, we did not mention any of that shit. Because Link did not exist in the ancient time. This is pre-Link. Skyward Sword was the origin of Link. Listen, that's timeline placement. We're not doing that right now. I am just saying that we have recorded what might be the first Zelda-centric episode of the Book of Medora that doesn't talk about that motherfucker what has the sword. Link's not that important in the grand scheme of things. It turns out he's really important, actually. It's just that he doesn't appear for a while because we're... (laughs) (laughs) You're right. He is important. Let me rephrase. Link is not that prominent in history. He appears a couple times to do something really important, but he's mostly in the background. He's the exact opposite of Raru. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think Hylia devised an ingenious solution, Link, that began to be used more and more, but definitely was not leveraged in the past. Uh, uh, Why come he's like that? That's just how he is. There's always going to be some guy out there who's just like a, essentially a superhuman. This guy is pure twink himbo can you be a twink himbo anyway he eats rocks and doesn't think and goes shield surfing he's fine he's just like that yeah there's no why he was spiritually and biologically engineered by hilia to be the perfect boyfriend that has happened a couple of times yeah and i think um since i don't remember when we recorded that episode and then when he got married hylia engineered it so that his wife would die I don't get it. Helia killed Mifa. Helia killed Mifa. Yes. Oh God, that's what you mean. Yes. She no wonder th- I didn't get it's it. Like she saw that other timeline where Link and Mifa just get peacefully married, and she's like, "No, I don't fucking think so." I object. I don't care. Um, gosh, where was I? Where were you? Something about Link. <laughs> You have totally It's like all of our Link energy has been condensed into this last five minutes because we have recorded the most. Since since then, we have seen Link canonically, question mark, 
literally eat rocks. And we've seen more people able to, like, fury rush. Flurry rush. Flurry rush. In Asia Calamity. Yeah, and, and like, in Skyward Sword, or Breath of the Wild DLC and so on. Urbosa. Oh, yeah, she kind of does flurry rush. Well, no, she parries. She parries. Yeah. Ganondorf can do it. Oh, we'll get to him. Oh, that was the coolest shit, though. The absolute coolest thing is when you dodge one of his attacks in the last phase, and you do a flurry rush, and then he flurry rushes your flurry rush, and then you have to flurry rush his flurry rush off your flurry rush. Oh, man. It was the coolest dance in any game I've ever had. I could not get that timing down. It blew my mind. So just like the tennis match in Ocarina. It is a lot like Crystal. Did you know that you can act? You know those projectiles he uses that destroy your hard containers. Mm-hmm. Did you know you can reflect those with the Master Sword? I did. Oh, yes. Okay, I didn't. It would have made that fight a lot easier. I like how some people through glitches were able to bring the Master Sword from the start of the game over, and it does not have that property. Which means that only the one supercharged by Zelda can reflect the gloom. Yes. Okay, that's good, because it kind of seemed like she didn't do that much. But she definitively, in the game code, somehow did. Yes. It's kind of funny. Hey, um, we've been going for three hours, and we're at the end of the questions. Yay. Once again, if you have any questions that you'd like to send in, please send them to bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Once again bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. It's possible that I won't put up a Twitter ask for the next episode and that we will simply be reading emails. So we'll see. Crystal, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Arcane Crystal. You can find me on Patreon at Arcane Crystal, where you can listen to episodes of this a week early. You can find me on the Eidolon Playtest Actual Play Podcast, where we playtest the game Eidolon, a tabletop RPG. I play a teenage detective who has an Eidolon that's kind of like a persona or a stand. You can find me on Show Me the Batcave, a sub-series of MCU Complete Me, where I talk about superhero movies with Luke. Do you have any... um... Any social media besides Twitter in case that crashes? Not yet. Yeah. If if and when that happens, listeners, you will know. You may be the first to know. Oh, you know what I'm not in the mood for? A Zelda joke. The absence of a Zelda joke. Oh. Thankfully, our listeners have sent something. Yay. Oh. This one comes in from Jeff. What conspiracy theory do the Yiga clan subscribe to? What? G-Anon. Oh, dear. What the fuck? G-Anon. No, I got it. I, I got it. <laughs> like, damn it. I, yeah, I, I got it. Thank you. Okay. Okay, good night, everybody. Bye. <laughs> it, it really does fit, though. No, goodbye. <laughs>